Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now, now listening, listening to Black, Black Comics, Comics Chat. Chat. Black, Black, Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey, a group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. One, two, one, two. Hey, hey, what is happening, people? What is going on? What's happening? What's cracking? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back with Black Comics Chat. You know, I'm very, very happy to once again have our, our quarterly episode with one of our favorite guests of all time. Um, before I do that, I'll, I'm going to introduce the uh, the members of the team that are here tonight. As I mentioned, this is Marcus Kwame, and with me I have the the Red Lion the, of the crew. You know, um, man, I'm forgetting your other AKAs. I'm slipping the tonight. Undercover oh, Sith, brother. The undercover <laughs> Sith. That's right. That's right, man. We got we got Tony Snarkmonger in the house. What up, y'all? What up, y'all? So I just want to warn everybody, I got some serious Mr. Softy action going on outside my window. So <laughs> it's hot in Harlem tonight. So we're just going to roll with it. That'll be our background music. So um, I'm excited for tonight's show. Right, right. And for, for those of you in, in other parts of the country, uh, you know, Tony's talking about the ice cream truck. And um, yeah, man. Uh, so as always, we're hoping that, uh, you know, Leo and Thelonious will be joining us momentarily. But in the meantime, in between time, I'm very happy to, to introduce our very, very special guest. Returning to the show, we got Sean Pryor, and he's here to speak about his very exciting Kickstarter he's got going on. What's up, Sean? Yo, what's, what's good, y'all? Yo, it's great to be back. It's great to be back. Yo, like, I wish folks could have heard the Mr. Softy truck come through. Like, <laughs> you know, it was playing the music. Like, we, we was talking, we was talking before the show kicked off how, like, um... Like, like where I live, I live in Lexington, Kentucky, and like we don't have ice cream trucks like that. Like, like I grew up in Ohio, and where I lived in Ohio, summer came through, you had the ice cream trucks, you had the ice cream vans, you even sometimes had the ice cream cars. Now, what killed me about the ice cream cars was, was like the ice cream cars had everything in the trunk, and like, <laughs> and like the ice cream, but see, like the thing was, the ice cream cars, like, they knew they knew they couldn't be out here rolling for long because they were getting in trouble because they were they were basically like the pre-Uber of ice cream trucks. Wow. Oh my god. Because like you know that they weren't doing anything legally, you know, they just had the ride. They said I have like a little thing on the side of the car say ice cream. They stop, they pop the trunk, and they have like all this ice and stuff in the back of their trunk, and you just see like boxes wow. and stuff in grocery stores, right? 
And so like, yo, let me get these ice cream sandwiches. Let me get this. Let me get that. And if they saw a police car come, man, they hop in that car so fast and take off. Oh, it's hilarious. But like we had like all the phases. So like when like in Tony, like through Tony's window, I heard the ice cream song. And I was like, man, like for real, like for real, y'all. Like I looked out my window. Like I told her, like I looked out my window. I was like, is this us? And I'm like, no, because we don't have that here. And like it's weird. And like so, so like, it's like Pavlovian. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, that's right. I, I I did good today. Let's go get some ice cream, y'all. Let's go. Let's get this push pop. You know what I mean? Oh man. <laughs> so so like I was getting hyped. So no, man, like, like so Tony brought back good memories this evening. So like it's been a great day. So I, I appreciate that, Tony. I appreciate that. Ah, no problem. It's gonna be a good show. Yo, you're blowing my mind with the ice cream cars. Uh, you know. <laughs> In the chat, uh, Dy Princess, uh, she also had never heard of the ice cream cars. So, yo, like, yeah. I'm for real, like, they didn't happen that often. But like, when somebody was out to make a quick buck, mm-hmm. you would see ice cream cars. And what would happen is, is that the ice cream cars would like slowly, low key, like follow the pattern of the ice cream trucks and the ice cream vans. And and so they'd be like, okay, like, okay, they done went down the street and around the corner. Okay, I saw that like not everybody could afford that. So let me roll through in my car real quick and like get people for quarters and, and like 50 cent pieces and be out. Cause this is the 80s, okay? This is right. the 80s where like you could cake up, you could cake up, or you could cake up on quarters and 50 cent pieces. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you could cake up real fast, but like, yeah, man, ice cream cars. Like it, it was like this two year thing and then it just went away. <laughs> I'm saying, man, that's, you know, it's uh, a lot more positive than some other hustles that people have. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. Very true. Very true. Um, so, yeah, Sean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, obviously it's a little bit of your origin story um, from being from Ohio. But just for anyone who, by some stretch of the imagination, didn't hear any of your previous episodes with us, can you just, uh, you know, give a quick rundown of your, your origin story, um, both as yourself and um, in the world of comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm an Air Force brat. Um, born in the South, <clears throat> raised in the Midwest. Um, back in the South again for for a decade. Um, and I have had a relationship with comic books since the age of three. Um, one of the first comic books I ever read was a Richie Rich comic book that my mom bought for me at a convenience store, and I thought that comics were the most amazing thing ever because I was like, I had no idea that there were cartoons that I could read in book form. Uh, it's like, so this is amazing. And so as a child, um, my mom, I told him like, my mom said, if you could tell me what this comic is about, if I buy this for you and you, and you read it, I want you to tell me what this is about and I'll go buy you some more comics. And I was like, bet, you know, like I didn't say bet, but I was just like, yeah, it's great. I can do that. And I did. And so that's where, my love for comics came from it came from like my moms and pops because they loved the fact that i loved to read and it was a gateway to reading and so it came you know so like you know i went from comics you know comics and, and charlie brown to reading the newspaper and not just reading the the comics in the newspaper but the actual newspaper itself and and so forth and so forth so like by the age of five i was reading at a third grade level and so like you know so like i just i had a a quest for reading and a love for reading. And it also had a, a vivid imagination. So um, as I got, you know, like, you know, eight, nine years old, you know, um, you know, living, you know, you know, lived in a uh, divorced home. Um, so like, you know, my pops would pick me up. He'd find a comic book store, like, Hey, you know, let's get a pull list. And so we, 
you know, we got comics together. My mom, you know, when I spent time with my mom, my mom would be like, hey, I found this comic book store in Cincinnati. I'm going to take you. And you get X amount of dollars to spend, and we'll come back next month, and we'll do it again. And so they got me hooked on comics, and they got me hooked on comics at a young age. And they also, you know, like my mom was really big into cartoons. Like sometimes I think my mom was bigger into cartoons than I was. And so, um, and Godzilla movies. Like at the age of four, my mom let me stay up late to um, uh, to watch. Oh, which Godzilla movie was it? Where like it was every every Godzilla monster. Oh um, man! You know, every Godzilla monster was in that flick. I can't remember. Like destroy all monsters. So, oh wow! Yeah, and like at the age of four, like she let me stay up late. It was like midnight, like the late, late, late show. Like, see, this is the thing, like, and I'm sorry to sidetrack for a second and we'll get back to the history, but like television is so different now where like you used to have like localized television hosts that had these crazy late night shows. And we don't have that anymore because, you know, we got cable, we got streaming, we got all these other things. But like it was so specialized from town to town. And I forget the dude's name, but we had this dude. He'd be dressed up in, like, face paint, trying to look all scary and stuff, have a big old top hat. And and he would always, like, bring out, like, kung fu movies and Godzilla movies and stuff like that. And so at the age of four, my mom introduced me to that. And, like, I remember when that was done, I said, Mom, can I have some paper and some crayons? And, like, I ran to my room. It's 2 in the morning. I ran to my room, and I started making up monsters. And the next morning, my mom found me in bed. And there was just papers of like monsters and stuff I drew everywhere. And I still had crayons in my hand and I was asleep. <laughs> wow. So, so like, you know, my parents brought that love of comics, pop culture, cartoons and movies and stuff like that. And um, but they let me they let me imagine. They let me dream. And as I got older, as all teenagers do, we, we walk away from comics because, you know, you know, we get we get other interests and we think, oh, OK, this is for kids. So I need to leave it alone. And then you come back to it a few years later when you get a little bit older. It's just like, well, why did I ever leave this? And I've always had this on and on on and off affair with comics ever since. And then around in 2007, I said, I want to start making comics. And I learned the hard way. Um, a majority of everything I've learned from making comics as an independent creator to a quote-unquote professional creator. A lot of it I learned on my own. Um, I've been able to work with some really talented people. Um, I've made my share of mistakes. I've had my share of victories, too. But, like, I'm still, I call myself the mid-major man. Like, if this is college basketball, I'm a mid-major conference. You know, I, I, you know what I mean? I'm a, mid-major, I'm a mid-major conference, and that's okay. Um, you know, because I know my time isn't up yet, and I'm still learning every single day. And um, and I've created books that have been in bookstores, such as the um, All Ages Detective series, Cash and Carry, which Marcus, which you know, which Marcus Kwame Anderson has done art for. And uh, quietly, we are, we are quietly working on um, some other stuff for Cash and Carry together right now as well, alongside Julie Speziani and a bunch of other talented people. Um, I'm the creator of the um, one of the creators of the football comic known as Force with uh, Jay Reed and B. Alex Thompson. Um, I'm also the writer of Kentucky Kaiju, um, featuring the talents of Justin Stewart and Tracina Bowling. And like, those have been like my latest projects. So, and so now here we are today with my latest Kickstarter for a project that honestly is almost five years in the making. Um, a sci-fi mytho- uh, mythological 
um, adventure heist book called Lifted of Gods and Thieves. <laughs> and there's no ice cream cars in this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Sean, you, you're always uh, an, an easy interview because you just uh, answered two of my first uh, questions that I had prepared for you, you know, without me even having to say them. So, so I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to sit back and let you go. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Um, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> He's about to do it, too. He really was. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but for real, I'm glad you brought that up. Because, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about some of your, your um, previous works before we get into Lifted. But, you yeah. uh, you know, you just, just went through it very succinctly. It's funny because when you were um, just relating that that story about when you were you were little and you stayed up to watch the monster movies, it, it connected the dots for mm-hmm. me, obviously, with, um you know, with Kentucky Kaiju, which you, uh, you created. What, last Was it last year? Uh, Kentucky Kaiju was uh, 2016. 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. man. So. Yeah, man. And um, we are in the process of uh, the publisher has greenlit us to do a, a volume two. Okay. Cool. And I, I would recommend uh, anybody who's listening, obviously check out all of Sean's work. Um, but uh, Kentucky Kaiju was just really enjoyable. I think for anyone who who grew up on those those movies, you know, who anyone who stayed up and watched those late shows, um, and I love the 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 humor that you brought to it too. You know what I mean? Like I think you really captured the the spirit of those monsters and everything. But you also had some really humorous stuff going on there. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate it. Like I think the thing that really worked best for Kentucky Kaiju is that the publisher allowed us to just basically do whatever we wanted. Yes, we, you know, we had editors and we had people double checking for stuff, but um they just said go go wild with it because Apex had Apex Apex book company had never done a book like that before. And um and so when Justin and Tracina came to me and was just like, "Hey, we want you to create 50 monsters." First thing I said was, "Huh?" But um, but then I was like, oh, okay, this this sounds really cool. I I think we can have we can have a lot of fun with this. And they just let me run free with it. And to be able to have that much flexibility and freedom creatively was a blessing for me. And it allowed me to do something that I never did that I've never done before. And because of that, we now have an evergreen book that I can sell and we can sell at any show we go to. Anywhere I go, if I take Kentucky Kaiju, I can guarantee I can sell 30 copies in a convention weekend. So, yeah. So, all right. So you you brought us, you know, nicely up to this point to speak about the, the book of the hour, which is, you know, Lifted of Gods and Thieves. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about, about the series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lifted of Gods and Thieves is an original graphic novel. Um, if you want to check it out on Kickstarter, you can um, go to Kickstarter and the search header. You can type my name, Sean Pryor, S-H-A-W-N-P-R-Y-O-R. Or if you go to the Internet and type www.liftedgodsthieves.com, it'll shoot you straight to the Kickstarter page. So what Lifted of Gods and Thieves is about is original graphic novel about a um, an art and antiquities thief for hire by the name of Sarah Jackson. And Sarah Jackson has a team, they're a trio, um, along with her adoptive adoptive brother, Max Jackson, and uh, Claudette St. Pierre. Um, Max Jackson is the manager and getaway driver of the group. Claudette St. Pierre is the computer technician of the group and also intelligence officer of the group. And Sarah performs all the heists. And in this book, 
Sarah and the crew, they are about to attempt the biggest set of heists in their life, but little do they know that the actions that they're taking for the things that they're trying to steal may upset the gods. Um, And so it leads to this larger story of these artifacts that they're trying to get, certain people trying to get these artifacts, um, God sending emissaries down to earth to say, okay, keep an eye on these, keep an eye on Sarah and these folks, because we can't let these artifacts get into certain people's hands. And then there's also the government. There's, um, you know, there's a special division of the FBI that starts to get up, you know, starts basically gets the dust taken off of it because now they have to go and see if they can find this person who's stealing all this stuff. But the thing about Sarah Jackson is that not only is Sarah Jackson somebody that can hold their own and is an excellent thief, but she has the power of teleportation and it's limited. So it's not like she can teleport like Nightcrawler 50 gajillion times everywhere. There's a certain, there's a set number of times that she can teleport in one day or in one evening per se. So she has to be smart with how she does things. So she just can't be like, poof, poof, poof. I got what I need and I'm out. You know, sometimes you got to throw some hands. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have to uh, be a little bit more slick, a little bit more careful, understand these security systems a lot better because you have to be smart as to when you can teleport. Um, and so it's a mix of action. It's a mix of sci-fi. It's a mix of a mythology. It's got a little bit of comedy. And it's like I said, it's something that literally has been in the works for five years. Um, it all started. It all started back in 2013. Me and one of my homies, Keith Cunningham, and the dude that I've known for probably like 10, 15 years now, um, we were attempting, because it's like I said, 2013, radio dramas were starting to become like a thing on the internet again. Um, they were really picking up steam. And at that time, I was talking with Keith, and I was like, yo, how about if we just do a radio drama? Let's let, you know, let's, let's team up and let's do a radio drama. And I had this idea and the project at the time was called something else completely different. So we just start shooting off ideas off of one another. We start, you know, shooting off, like uh, also shooting off like um, plot points and like uh, outlines. And so we start to put together this radio drama. So we get through like two or three episodes and we start looking at this and we're just like, no, no, no. I think this might actually be a bet be better as a comic book because it was that cool of a story. And so then we, you know, we started to take these ideas from this radio drama and started to turn them into a comic. And and back in 2013, at C2E2, first C2E2 I ever went to, ever, um, there was a gentleman by the name of John Rodriguez. John followed me on Twitter. I followed him back. He's an artist, and um, he came up to the he came because I was helping Action Lab at the time. This was during my first this was during my first phase of working for Action Lab Entertainment, the comic book publisher. And John came up to the table. He was like, "Yo," he was like, "You know, um, you know, I follow you on Twitter and I see what you what you're doing, blah blah blah." He was just like, "You know, I'm an artist, and I'm trying to you know you know make my way into the business, blah 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 blah." And I saw like his portfolio. I was like, "Man, this stuff is really good." So I said, you know, I got a project. Would you be interested in working on it? He's like, yeah, sure. So we like, you know, started those seeds there, but we said, okay. Cause I was like doing so much with action lab at the time. And, you know, my life was taking like this really 
you know, personally, my life was taking this really weird turn. And so like everything was off balance. So I said, okay, me and Keith have put together this really cool story, but we had no time to adapt it to comics. So um, I knew my friend Steve, I have a friend by the name of Steve Bryant. He does this really great book called Athena Voltaire. Um, it's um, like, if you like pulp adventure, you like Indiana Jones type stuff, like it's a fantastic book. So much so that like, if you watch the third mummy movie, um, the third mummy, mummy movie with like Jet Li as like the, the mummy kung fu dude, um, the lady that plays uh, Brendan Fraser's wife in that book toward the end she she's played by olivia diablo in the third movie toward the end she has like this nice like action outfit and like you know it's got the double guns they literally took that from athena voltaire no lie anyway so um steve had a friend by the name of chris murin and chris murin is a writer and an editor so i said okay let me go talk with chris so we started talking i said look we have the story we need to adapt it into comics um, you know, I think this would be a good entry for you, you know, to get into, you know, to get into comics. He was like, I'm game. So we all worked together and we started this process. And then around in like 2014, 2015, no, around 2014, I like everything changed for me. Like I was about to quit comics. I was about to walk away from a lot of things. Like we were like X amount of pages into the project and um i was burned out and i was just like man i was like i, I just can't do this so like it got shelved fast forward to 2015 things for me changing you know change comics wise creative wise my 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 life changes um i try to you know finally learn how to get a better balance in my life cash and carry takes off that becomes the that becomes the goal that becomes the process i get re- rejuvenated to make rejuvenated to make comics again and then 2016 comes around you know, there's a new, there's an official cash and carry book one. Kentucky Kaiju comes out. Um, finally, a book, like another book, Force, with me, Jay, and B. Alex Thompson. We get that football book to start, get that together. And all that happens. And then, like, I, I stop for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. What about this over here? You know, why haven't we finished this? And I was like, no, we haven't finished it because it's on me. So that's why we're here now with this Kickstarter to finish what what we started um like this kickstarter is here to cover you know production costs to get the book finished to get it properly you know fully colored to get it lettered to you know to give john rodriguez who did a hell of you know who's who's been doing a hell of a job you know money for his time and efforts and also cover the rewards and to cover shipping costs and all this other stuff and to cover printing you know printings of of of, of this soft cover book because this is the official graphic novel so you're getting the whole story, um, not just one issue. You're getting the whole thing. And that's how we got to where we are with Lifted of Gods and Thieves. Cool, cool. Very thorough. You, uh, you actually, again, answered a bunch of my questions. Um, my, my, my bad. I, no, I, I, no. I, I apologize. Like, I, I apologize. It's like my, my job, man, like where I work at nine to five, my nine to five, if I don't give everybody answers, and like, I'm to the point where I have to like think ahead of them, right? And like, it's just it's it's instilled in me. Also, it's that part of that Air Force brat. So, uh, so so I apologize. 
No, I'm not complaining. It's very thorough. And I think that, uh, you know, it's again, man, you're you're also selling the the, the book, which, you know, looks looks great. And uh, I was going to say, like, it's really good that you, you know, had the foresight to create the, the easier to remember URL for the Kickstarter, because, oh, yeah. you know, Kickstarter URLs are always impossible to remember. So, oh, yeah, man. it's a handy way for people to get there. Um, but yeah, I definitely urge everyone listening, man, just I'm going to do a quick promo to while you're listening, go check out, you know, you can go to www.liftedgodsthieves.com and just check out the campaign. It's like, um, it looks really exciting. Like, you know, you got some, uh, a, a good synopsis and summary of the story and like the art is really, you know, eye catching. And yeah, man, like I, you, you mentioned John Rodriguez. Uh, I've, I've been following him for a while too on, on Twitter and other social media. And like, yeah, he's, re, he's super talented. Um, so who are some of the other people that are, are helping to make this happen? Oh yeah, most definitely. Okay. So on the cover, the front cover is, is um, by Uko Smith. Uko Smith is an illustrator and graphic designer who's also a, um, a prof- like a, a teacher, if I'm not mistaken, he is a, um, he is an instructor at the Columbus College of Art and Design, and he's done concept artist work for IDW, Lucasfilm, Hasbro, DC, Marvel, Heavy Metal, and Skystorm. Um, we also have um, also we have two colorists on the book. Um, we have George Gant, and George is also a cartoonist and an illustrator and a colorist and a letterer. He's done uh, web comics such as um, the Reset Button and On the Grind. Um, the other colorist is a gentleman, gentleman by the name of Eric White. Um, he used to do like a lot of coloring flat work for uh, for DC back in the early 2000s. And Lifted is his last coloring work because he's hanging up his color for hire, his color for hire belt, and he's just moving on to do his own thing. Um, the letterer is a gentleman by the name of Justin Birch. Uh, Justin did a little bit of work. Um, on the Cash and Carry Book One uh, project, he's also lettered books like such as Miraculous, uh, Princeless, Rave and the Pirate Princess Volumes One and Two, and a bunch of other books as well. Um, and we've talked about uh, Keith Cunningham and, and Chris Murin. Um, Chris, like Chris, is an editor, um, a video editor at FX Networks, and he's also an, an editor, a comic book editor, um, and he's written stuff for Ghoul Scouts and Athena Voltaire. Um, we talked about John and John, you know, he's, he comes from the art Institute of Chicago. He also has a, um, a comic novella. He did a Kickstarter for, um, a few years ago called split, which was really, really good. I really enjoyed that. And, um, and like some co-creator Keith Cunningham, he's a writer, he's an animator. Um, he's done some like, in, he, he was a screenwriter for an independent movie, uh, many years ago. And he's done like some anthology comic work. And then there's me. So uh, that's the squad, um, you know, that that's the squad. And together, I think, you know, we've made something that um, once again, we're making something that like a lot of other people aren't doing. And and when I make projects, it's not that I'm trying to, hey, look, we're different. We're different. It's not that. It's just that I don't want to do more of the same. Mm-hmm. Like we've got we've got a, a gajillion, a gaz- a gajillion superhero books. I love superheroes. You know, I do. You know, I, I I do, but like, um, I can't do that. You know, at least not right now. I mean, if somebody want to write, wants to write me a nice check, sure, I'll come on down. Let's let's give it a go. Let's give it a try. But personally, for me right now, that's not where I'm at. 
So um, I, I just want to continue to challenge myself and work with really great people who also, and also make sure that they get compensated for their time. No, that, that's what's up. Um, so as far as this series is concerned, like, like you mentioned, it's been like five years in the making. Um, how is it, is the graphic novel, the three, um, issue arc going to be the entire story? Is it going to be self-contained or do you see it going beyond that? I see it going beyond that for sure. I see it going beyond that for sure. Like, you know, the goal, like maybe down the line, you know, I hope we can get at least two or three volumes out of this, like in, in, all, in all sincerity. Um, but first, you know, I want to see where where this first volume goes. And I, and I hope it goes pretty far. I, I really do. Like this, you know, this Kickstarter is in its first it's, it's in its first day. And um, and, in, you know, we've almost hit thirteen hundred dollars in our first day. You know, the goal is to reach eight thousand five hundred dollars. So um, but in the first day, we were almost got the thirteen hundred dollars. So the goal is just to keep that momentum going. And to um, and to prove to people, hey, you know, we've got something special here. Um, you know, it's a really great book with really cool characters. And and us also at the same time, you know, prove to them that the fulfillment is going to the fulfillment is going to be fulfilled. I know how people feel about Kickstarters as somebody who's backed a lot of Kickstarters. You know, there's some joints where it's like, OK, I backed this Kickstarter four years ago. I ain't seen nothing. You know, and right. I understand and I understand why people get salty sometimes. And, and like, you know, granted, and some creators will honestly tell you, like, OK, this is what happened. I apologize, but it's coming soon. That's great. That's fine. As long as you keep in touch with me, I'm good. But this is Kickstarter number four for me. And I fulfilled the first three. And, um, you know, so like I, I know what I, I know what I have to do and I know what needs to be done to make sure needs get met and to make sure that rewards get fulfilled. And so um. So like I'm not worried about that, and like it's my job to ensure all the people that back the project that their money is not going to waste. They're going to get what they what they asked for, and they're going to be taken care of. Because if there's no trust, what's the point of doing any of this? Right, right, absolutely. absolutely. And you you bring up a really good point. I mean, like I was going to mention that you've had you know several successful campaigns, and like you know like you're a Kickstarter pro. And you always come through, you know. I've definitely back. I backed uh, lifted this morning. You know what I'm saying? And oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And I, I think it's good. I, you know, this is actually probably a good time to speak about like some of the different uh, tiers and the different ways that people can support. So, like, what what are what are some of the the rewards that people can re- receive for you know supporting at different levels? Yeah, like. The, the rewards, there's like nine reward tiers. Like I, the one goal with this Kickstarter is I wanted to keep it simple because, because I know all this Kickstarter stuff can be massively overwhelming, you know, especially for people that have never dealt with Kickstarter before or don't understand how Kickstarter works. So I wanted to simplify it. So there's nine reward tiers as of this moment. And like, so say, for instance, let's say, you know, you don't have a lot of money, but like, you know, you want to contribute to the project, you know, so like say, for instance, for $5, you can get like a phone wallpaper, and but you also get a digital preview of Lifted of Gods and Thieves. So you get a chapter of the book, um, you know, or like X amount of pages, an X amount of pages uh, of the book. So you get a preview of Lifted of Gods and Thieves um, on PDF, and um, and you also get the phone wallpaper for five bucks. For ten dollars, you can get the digital edition. So it's the full story, the full shebang, you know, the whole graphic novel which should be 108 pages, um, if memory serves me right, um, for 10 bucks. 
if you want the digital deluxe edition for 15, that's going to have the complete story plus bonus materials such as scripts, concept artwork, etc., plus the phone wallpaper. Wow. For $20, you get the soft cover edition of Lifted God of Gods and Thieves plus the digital edition of Lifted and Gods and Thieves. And you then you also get like stickers and a mini poster um and so forth. And then there is, you know, also a soft cover with the digital deluxe edition for an additional $5 or more. And you still get the rewards like, you know, the phone wallpaper, the stickers, the mini poster. There's a super digital bundle where, because I know like there's just a lot of catches like, yo, I just read my books digitally. I get it. So in this bundle, you can get um, the deluxe edition of Lifted of Gods and Thieves uh, plus the phone wallpaper. Plus you also get a PDF copy of Kentucky Kaiju. Um, you get a PDF of Cash and Carry Book One. You get a PDF of Force Volume One, and you get a PDF of my first ever direct market book market work, a sci-fi book called XO One: The Rock Solid Steel Bots, all in PDF uh, for thirty bucks. Um, then there is the uh, T-shirt bundle, which is a limited edition T-shirt. Anything that's limited edition on this Kickstarter is only being made for the Kickstarter, and so the stuff that y'all get. Uh, as far as like, you know, all this Kickstarter stuff, y'all only people that's going to get it as far as like limited edition T-shirts, um, phone wallpaper, stickers and things of that nature. Mini posters, all that stuff. Only y'all going to get that stuff. Uh, I'm not going to give it out to anybody else. But um, for 45 bucks, you can get a T-shirt, a digital um, a digital edition of uh, of Lifted plus the um, soft cover edition mini poster. is the ultimate bundle. Basically, you get everything. You get all the digital books that I mentioned, the T-shirt, soft cover edition, stickers, all that good stuff. Um, And then for $100, um, John Rodriguez, who is the artist on um, Lifted, he's doing 11 by 17 commissions for $100. And if you want more than one character, um, you um, you have to add $25 to your pledge um, if you want more than one character. But that's 11 by 17, black and white, pencil and ink commission. And you get, you know, the lifted stickers, the foam wallpaper, the digital deluxe edition of lifted, plus the soft cover edition of lifted, plus the mini poster for 100 bucks. So those are the those are the reward tiers. I tried to keep it as simple as possible, um, you know, like because that's the thing. Simplicity is key. And so um, but I, I think like, you know, I try to also make it affordable and, and fair. And I think it works. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I think um yeah, like wow. like you mentioned, I think there's something for everyone here. So Let, let's just let's just talk about the fact you're saying am I correct, ten bucks for a hundred and eight pages of book? Yeah, man. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That right there is the deal, right there. Absolutely. I mean, obviously all the other deals are great, but I mean, what do you what, what book do you get for ten bucks that's hundred and eight pages? A comic book. I don't I mean Crisis on Infinite Earths is like a ridiculous size book, and that's like twenty bucks. Oh yeah, like and that's the thing. Like, I'll, like I always stress, like, because and there, there, there are things I worry about sometimes too. Because at first I was like, okay, hundred eight page graphic novel. I was like, man, if I charge ten bucks, it's gonna be way too much. But at the same time, it's a thing of I have to price this fairly. You know what I mean? I, I have to price this fairly so you know one the project can succeed and I can take care of everybody. And like I have to find that price point where people feel that they're getting a good value. And also at the same time, the Kickstarter is being handled properly. You know what I mean? Because if if I don't, if I don't find that balance, 
the whole Kickstarter is screwed. I've like because like I've seen projects where like somebody will have a hundred page graphic novel and they'll do a PDF and that PDF is twenty bucks. And and really they do and some and some of them do that. And I understand why some of them do that because it's just like you know they're concerned that like if they you know like for that price they they buy it if they give it to two or three friends you know give that PDF to two or three friends okay it's all right because I got my money's worth I got my twenty bucks for it um, per se but for me it's a thing of it's like I know where I'm at creatively in the world of comics and publishing. And I need, and I want to see as many people as possible get this so they can see what we're doing. So I have to make it affordable. You know, I have to make it affordable, but at the same time, fair to the project itself. Wow. Wow. So I I have so many questions, (laughs) but I, I want to basically say that or rather i appreciate again the whole responsibility of a kickstarter um and the fact that you know you really hit you really hit it on the head there um i think there's been a lot of discussion just in general i won't talk about anything specific about kickstarters and their viability and stuff like that so i appreciate that and i think there should be a certain amount of trust that you know a reader should have with a creator or, you know, or an investor with the Kickstarter. So I appreciate it, you know, that you mentioned that. No, no, I just, like, I I get it. Like, I I sincerely get it because, like, a lot of people, like, I understand, like, when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with creatives, sometimes you're dealing with, like, a special, like, with a special set of people, okay? And the thing is, is that, the thing is, is that, like, there are a lot of creative people that mean well and they're immensely talented, but, like, some people can't handle the full spectrum of like, okay, I'm a create, I'm a creative, I'm a business person, I'm a business person, and I'm also I can also handle this labor of fulfillment. There are so many levels to Kickstarters, and this ain't like I said, this ain't no offense to nobody, this ain't no shade to nobody. But there's some people that can handle all that. There's some that can't. There's some who like will be like, okay, I'm making this project, but yo, I'm getting help with this. I'm going to let so-and-so over there run my Kickstarter for me. I'll talk about it, but I'll let so-and-so run it. I'm going to let this cat fulfill it. I'm going to let this cat help me get this stuff made properly, and it's all going to get done. You know, and and there's always there's always challenges to this. And, like, and for some people, man, like, yo, man, sometimes real just real-life stuff happens. And, like, sometimes it's just like, okay, I'm trying to fulfill this Kickstarter, but, yo, like, this like real emergency life crisis happened and now all the money's gone. So I need to go take this work over here. You know, you might, you know, so like this person might be doing these projects X, Y, and Z, you know, they're like, well, where's my Kickstarter at? But where's my Kickstarter rewards? Well, you know, life happened. So now this person's doing all these other projects to get that money, to get this Kickstarter done. So like things happen. There's some things that's inexcusable. And once again, mm-hmm. saying no names, not mm-hmm. saying no names. There's some things that's inexcusable, mm-hmm. but for me, like, like I said, for me, like I've been there and I've been on that end of, you know, I've been on the end of, it's like, damn, like I, I thought, you know, this was coming out. And, but like, you know, like I said, those, you know, there've been like a lot of people that have been very responsive and like communicated with folks as to this is where the project is. And like I said, I just, I know how it feels to be disappointed. I know how it feels to be let down. So, like, I have to do my best to fulfill that responsibility because, you know, y'all have pledged your money and your time. So I have to go back and fulfill your 
you know, fulfill, fulfill the deal. Because if I don't, why would you trust me again? Yeah. Oh, trust is key. Trust yeah. is very key. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tr- trust is trust is major. Without trust, part of my French, you ain't got shit. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Preaching. Love it. Um, so the question I have, um, and I feel like I asked this of everyone is what is your what is your writing process? Uh tell tell me how you really get from idea to paper. How, what does that look like for you? Um, it, it comes in, in many forms, um, in all, in all sincerity, um, it comes in a lot of different forms. Like, um, the main way, a lot of times, it, some of the stuff will come to me in the middle of the night and I'll have to grab my phone and pop open my note app and just start like making notes and then make sure that like, you know, the light isn't too bright to like, you know, wake up everybody in the house and, um, make my notes, come back to in the morning, look at it, and then just start to formulate and play with it. Other times it's a thing of, um, I'll write down an idea, like some idea that just popped my head and I'll write it down and I'll walk away from it for like a month. And then I'll come back to it and be like, okay, oh, okay. I see what I want to do with this and just start to outline it. And like a lot of times for me, I out, I am the most outlining person you will ever meet in your entire life. Like, I'm pretty sure that like my middle name is not Ramon. It's bullet point because I outline to death. Okay. So like, um, I'll outline, outline, outline. And then from there, especially if I'm like, if I'm, if I am the key writer on the project, um, I'm going to outline it to death. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to trim the fat and then I'm going to start to write. Um, you know, like say for instance with comic scripts, um, I basically put it all out on paper. I put it all out there and then I look and I'm like, okay, did we go over on X amount of pages? Okay. If we did, okay. What can we cut? What doesn't, you know, what doesn't matter? What doesn't work with the main character or the characters in this story? Okay. Let's cut that. Okay. And, you know, and then from there, formulate the rest, you know, formulate the rest of the storyline and things can change. There have been some things I've written where it's like, man, this first draft is dope and we're going to run with this. There are times when I'm like, man, this first draft, second draft, third draft, fourth draft, fifth draft, draft are all trash. All of it can go. <laughs> yeah, all of it can go. We're just going to start all over. Um, but the one thing that I had to learn, and I'm still learning, is that, yo, man, just just write it. Just write it. Like, fear is a son of a bitch. Fear will tell you that you ain't shit. Fear will, fear, fear will tell you that you can't complete a project. Fear will tell you that nobody's gonna gonna want to read it. Fear will tell you that nobody wants to hear you. Fear will tell you that you don't belong here, and you literally have to just say "fuck you." I'm gonna finish this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether it's good, bad, or great. Just finish. Because the thing is, by finishing, you have thereby ensured yourself that you can go and do this again. And that over the last, like, seriously, no lie, over the last five years, that has really been a big thing for me. Whether, and the thing is, all the projects I do are all different. Sometimes I'm just the creator. I'm the creator, plotter, outliner. Sometimes I'm the creator, plotter, outliner, writer. Sometimes I'm just a showrunner. Like, it, it, all, it all varies. And this is one thing I always try to tell, like, you know, you know, black people, people of color, is that don't let folks pigeonhole you into saying you're just one thing. That's what they want you to do. 
you know, don't make them turn you into Jaleel White. Like, because it's just like, oh, you <laughs> Urkel. Oh, you just Urkel. No, man, Jaleel White is actually very talented, and that cat can act. No, no, he Urkel. Like, no, no, he's Stefan. He's Stefan. Let's get it straight. <laughs> Stefan Urkel. Right, right. man. Hey, you know what? I'm glad he did that, though. I am because I'm like I'm sure you're just like, look, man, I can't be doing this Urkel stuff not you know every single week. Right, right. No. right. And you know, so it turns into this like really like low-key nutty professor shit. But um, but like don't let them pigeonhole you into saying you're just one thing. You can be multiple things. Doesn't mean that you do all those things great. However, but you can eventually, maybe. So don't let them pigeonhole you. You know, can, like I, can I can I position as to as to why I think that might actually happen? I feel like there's something about our heroes who are most well known for uh, one thing that is extremely attractive and something to sort of pursue. People like Frank Miller in his heyday, like Frank Miller, I don't necessarily would say has great range, but he had like his he had his uh, his alley. And he really, he really fulfilled it. And there's something really desirable about that notion of like, I want to be the, you know, I want to be the, the crime guy, you know, yeah. I want to be the, the, the crime person. Um, but I totally agree with you. Like, I think that, I think that we should expand and, and you were, you were, you were, you were preaching, you were, uh, you were doing your thing. I didn't want to interrupt, but I, I think outlining is so freaking underrated and people need to get off there. I only write when I'm inspired shit. Yeah. Like outlining is massive and a lot of people are afraid of it, but it's, yeah. it can be scary, yo. It can be real scary. Like Leo, it can be mad scary sometimes. But then the thing is, I always tell people, nope, like no, no process is perfect. Mm-hmm. No process is perfect. We all got different processes. The thing is, and like you said, just, you can't be scared. And if you are scared, you just, you got to channel that and, and use that as fuel to get to where you got to go. You know? You know, and like it's scary for all of us. Like, yo, I can go back to 2007, go look at my first like comic book projects. Like, I have like a fondness in my heart for them, but I know the amount of money I burned on stuff from like 2007 to 2010. I know, and I'm like, man, I made a ton of mistakes because I did this, I, you know, I, I did it the hard way. Like, I learned on my own, or like, I called a friend and be like, yo, how we do it? How do you do this? And, you know, you burn all this money and you make these mistakes. And like I said, those old books I still love because, like, they're reminded for me of how far I've come today. So I'm not I'm not ashamed of them. I'm not ashamed of them. Like, I, I did a buddy cop comedy book and I did, like, my own version of G.I. Joe. It was called, I forget what I think it's called, Agents of Coke or something like that. And, you know, I did, like, this little anthology book. And, like, it's all stuff I go back and look at now. I'm like, man, how did I do this? Because I had not a fucking clue what I was doing. You know, like 11 years ago. Not right. a clue. But fast forward to today, I'll go back and I'll look at this like, damn, I was really trying to do something back then. Like, I was like, it's like, this is, you know, I'm like, well, we could improve on this. We could change this. But no, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what I did because I've seen, I've seen how far I've come today. So you can't be scared. Be smart. Don't do what I did. Like I said, man, like I put myself in massive debt 11 years ago. Massive. Massive. And if I could go back, if I could go in the time machine and talk to myself 11 years ago, like, no, 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 fool. We got to do this different. We have to do this different. We have to be smart. Now, granted, 10 years, you know, 10, 11 years ago, Kickstarter didn't exist. And Kickstarter has been a fantastic outlet 
for creators of color, for black, you know, for black people, creators of color, like everybody, like it's been a fantastic outlet because it is serving to an audience that wants to be fed because the comic book business loves leaving money on the table. Yep. I'm, Some new video it, games, which is the other big thing in Kickstarter. They love doing it. Yeah, man. Like you want to leave money on the table. Okay, fine. Like, yo, I'll go to Kickstarter and like, let's get this bread and let's make these projects that people want to see, you know? And so, and like, I've had many people call me a fluke. I mean, I've had, like I said, three successful Kickstarters. One, one Kickstarter helped launch a comic book publisher, Action Lab Entertainment. The second Kickstarter helped push the new age, new era of YA detective, detective comics and graphic novels. The third Kickstarter was the third Kickstarter was for a sports comic for football because like there's not there's not a lot of not a lot of American sports comics, you know. But I'm like, but yet I'm a fluke. Okay, whatever. I'm still mm-hmm. gonna go out and do my thing. People can call me whatever they want to call me, but I'm still here and I'm still doing it though. Yeah, I think um, you obviously raised several, you know, really great points. But I think one of the important ones is just the idea of finishing, too, as far as like your your creative vision. I, I know that that's a thing. And also just the, uh, you know, you also talked about the, the the voices that that tell us to stop with the little negative voices. And that's really one of the things that I appreciate about like what you do online. Like, I think you keep it really real about the highs and the lows of being a creative person. And um I think it's really valuable to keep the conversation about the lows going because um, they're they're natural. They're going to happen for any of us who are trying to, you know, create and make these things happen. And I think that um, the more that that conversation is had and the more people know to expect that, the, the greater the ability to, to weather that and transcend it. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, like, this game... The comic book game is weird. And so like I I can't I can't always be out here just like tweeting and posting sunshine and lollipops and mm. shit. I, I can't. I can't. You know what I mean? I, I I can't because it's like if I do that, I'm lying to you. Mm-hmm. I'm a very positive person, okay? I, I'm an extremely positive person, even in even in this darkest era with with a rancid orange in the White House. Like mm. I I am a I I do my best to be a positive person, but like I, but like I have to be honest about things because if I'm not, I'm lying to you, and then I'm giving you a false sense of things. You know, I can't sit here and tell you, "Hey, man, yo, just go out there and work hard. Your day's gonna come." That's a lie. Because the thing is, is that you can work hard. You can have the best plan possible. You can have everything lined up the way you wanted it. And you can have everything all together and you can still lose. Mm -hmm. And that's what people don't want to hear. But it's the absolute truth. You can win. I've had victories, but I've sure as hell had plenty of losses, too. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that we have to talk about the victories as much and we have to talk about we have to talk about the victories that's fine but we got to talk about taking these L's you know what i mean like we got to talk about the stuff that nobody wants to hear about especially when you start talking about like race and comics and like you know and being in a business where like still to this day a lot of white people is just like i didn't know you do things like this or they're just shocked that you're there or they don't want you there because it's always been an area for like white dudes so like 
so, you know, I, we have to talk about this. Like, I just can't sit here and be like, you know, you know what? I'm just going to go back and just read some Aristotle. And you should do that, too. No, I can't do that, man. I can't, I can't, I can't spit that to you. What kind of person would that make me? You know, like, I, I, like, no, no, no. I have to be, I have to be real with people. Like I, like I said, I will, I will, you know, I will be honest with you. I'll be real with you. I will put, I, you know, I'll push you. And I mean, push you in a positive way. And I wish you the best. And I wish you the best. However, I have to be honest. I have to. Because if I don't, if I, if I don't, what good am I serving on this planet? What's my purpose on this planet if I lie to you every day? What's my purpose on this planet? Yeah, I have no problem with giving positivity and showing love because we need it in this world. But if I lie to you every day or just send you rainbows and lollipops, what the fuck is that going to do when I can go outside and I can see how the world really is? I think, but I think some of like, like you know, we're talking about rancid orange in, in the White House, I think has has perhaps diverted how how people like to like show support and show rallying cries for positivity because we feel like there's just a dearth of it right now. Yeah. yeah. And I totally feel that, but I agree with you. And I think one of the, one of the things about the business is that there isn't, there isn't a transparency in that negativity. Like, do you remember, what was it like a year, year and a half ago? And I, I greatly apologize because I don't remember who is the person who, who kickstarted, who kick, not kickstarted, but jumpstarted this. Um, somebody started posting the salaries of people who work in comics. Mm -hmm. And it was like, this is how much writers make. And then they created a Google doc where they're like, look, come in here and tell us what you make. Like, let's, let's have people look at this because it's all a fucking mystery. And like, people are like thrilled to, you know, get hired somewhere, but they really don't know what's going on. And it's like that level of honesty, like I super appreciate, but people are afraid to do that either because I don't know, they don't want to appear that they're, they have this sort of darkness. They don't want to talk about negative things or because they kind of like the mystery of it. They like the fact that no one really knows what's going on, and so that means that people who are in a who are in a less uh, who are in a, a lesser position can be exploited. Well, you got to understand, man. Like we have been conditioned to not talk about money. Mm. We, we have been conditioned to not talk about salaries. Mm. We have been, you know, like we like especially like with comics. Like we've been conditioned to not talk about that stuff. So mm -hmm. that's why the business is where it is right now. Um. And I always tell people, like, straight up, it's like, listen, there is no shame in maintaining a full-time job that has benefits and doing and doing comics or creative endeavors on like not on the like you could say on the side, but like that could be another part of your life. I maintain my I maintain my full-time job because I like healthcare. I like being able to pay my bill. I, you know, I like being able to pay for groceries and and you know, paying for my the roof over my head. Because it's guaranteed money. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been at my job for a very long time and I'm thankful for it. But like being black and being in comics get equals, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. Like, like I got to eat. I got to eat. And if I can't eat, I can't survive. And if I can't survive, I'm going to die. So let me by letting by allowing myself to make sure I got this full-time job, which covers so many things, I can still create things, use Kickstarter. Yes, I work for a publisher, I work for Action Lab, I'm one of the co-founders. 
Been in and out, been in and out with them for years. I'm back again. I can still make somewhat of a difference. And hey, who knows? One day I might be part of, I might be on a book that's at Image. I might be at a book somewhere. I might get a deal somewhere. Once I get an agent, who knows? I might get a deal with an actual book publisher that's doing graphic novels because book publishers see all the money that comic book publishers are leaving on the table. They're like, oh, we're just opening up our own graphic novel divisions. Here we go. So there's no shame. Like there's no one way to to like make to like make comics. There's no one way to do what you got to do, and like that just needs to be made clear because I'm just tired of seeing people being sold these dreams that honestly are just for pennies. Like, dude. Like there was. I remember there's an artist. I can't remember the gentleman's name, and I don't want to. I don't want to call the gentleman out because you know I don't want him to get any flack. But like. um he was talking about how, like, he did a few books, like he was doing like X amount of books in a year for Boom, and like an X amount of X amount of books in a year for another company, and he only made as an artist, he only made like fourteen thousand dollars in a year. Wow. Like, how the hell are you supposed to live off fourteen thousand dollars a year in like in like Charlotte? And that's North a Carolina? lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's wow. a lot of work, you know. And like, and uh, and like, so it frustrates me, and so. It becomes a thing where, like, when I when I work on projects with people, like, say, for instance, like, let's let's fast forward into the future. So, like, let's say, for instance, I, I talk with Marcus, and I'm like, Yo, Marcus, um, I want us to try to work on a cash and carry story, okay? And I say, okay, if I give you seven months to do three issues worth of work, what will that cost? Now, what I've automatically done right there, I have given. Marcus a cushion. So if he needs to do other things, he can, and he has more than enough time to work on cash and carry. And we work on a and we work on a value, a dollar, like a dollar value that still gets him where he needs to be, but neither of us are broken from it. It doesn't mean that I'm ripping off Marcus, because I'm not. He's getting paid what he needs to be paid, but he now has X amount of time to do it. A long, you know, a good extended period of time to do it, and I have a good ex- extended period of time to pay him and take care of him, and I get the best out of Marcus, and which makes for a fantastic book, and I get to work with someone whose work I enjoy, and everybody's happy. So, there are like so there are ways to do it, and it's tough sometimes, but like, and I got sidetracked because like I got so fired up, I forgot where I was, but, um. There are ways to do it, like I said, man. You, but you know, like we can't do this shit for pennies. But also at the same time, I understand when people like are like, listen, I've, I've seen because I've seen some artists, man, that just came straight out of school, have no experience, and are talking about, yo, I need two hundred dollars a page for pencils and inks. So I'm like, yo, fam, like Marvel ain't paying two hundred dollars a page for stuff. You know, you got to be artist X Y Z for two hundred dollars a page for pencils and inks, yo. So we got to also put some realism into this shit too. So, um, like I said, the game, like the comic book game is weird, yo. You know, the comic book game is weird, you know, but like I stress no shame in having a nine to five and then also doing creative endeavors. Just try your best to balance your life. You know, that's, that's just being real. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, obviously much appreciated. I know, you know, myself being a fellow, you know, comic creator who has a nine to five 
it's it's you know it's a struggle and like you're right it's like the the idea of having health care and all those basic things being able to meet your basic needs is is vital you know but um it, it, it's a tough balance and i think that um you know having people keep it real like you're doing uh it just it can help kind of provide some tools for people who are trying to trying to balance those two worlds yeah oh yeah man it's it's a t- like I said, it's a tough balance and and that's why like i always say man like for, for us and like being creative like nine times out of ten we have to make our own roads man we have to and it's not and it's you know we, we just have to because like and we can still make our own roads and people like well you can still say well you don't have enough experience because you don't you haven't worked with company xyz i'm like well the doors aren't open over there so what am i supposed to do you know, so so I always tell people like, yo, just make you know, make your roads, but no, also know that in making your roads, it doesn't guarantee that the door is still going to open over there. But do these things that you enjoy and, and and like have a great time and learn and learn from it. Mistakes will be made. Learn from them so they don't get repeated. And you know, comics just isn't a game of creativity. It's a game of learning. It's a game of learning how to work with other people. It's a game of learning how. And also learning that maybe there's some people you should never work with ever again. Um, you know, it's also, you know, it's also a game of economics. It's a game of, oh, I better learn how to get good at Photoshop then, huh? <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it's all, there's all these things that, like, that, um, that you learn. And I've, and I've, through, like I said, through every victory, through every loss, through every piece of racism, through every piece of joy, I've learned a lot and I still have lots more to learn. Yeah, man. Um, one other thing I want to ask you is like, you're, you know, we actually wait, before I get to that, um, I want yeah, to take yeah, a yeah. minute to, to talk about some of your other books. You know, we spoke about cash and carry. We spoke about Kentucky Kaiju, but, um, you know, force, you came out with the, the third issue, you know, not too long ago. So can you, um, you know, tell people who didn't catch your, your prior appearance on the show about force? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, force, um, which is also now available in trade paperback. If you go to Amazon.com and uh, type my name, S-H-A-W-N, uh, P-R-Y-O-R, um, you will be able to find Force there. And Force is a f- American football comic. It's about a quarterback by the name of Terrence Wright. He plays for the Tennessee Boxers. He's playing the biggest game of his career, the Supreme Bowl. And there are all these factors on and off the field that could affect his future as a professional athlete. Um, you know, he's got an agent who's always trying to get him deals, but the deals never, ne- you know, never work out. He's got a rookie quarterback that's like on his heels. He's a, like the rookie quarterback's a fan favorite, although he's ter- the rookie's terrible. Um, uh, he's got a he's got a, like a very intimate and personal relationship with the operations manager of the football team. And there's like all these relationships and factors on the field, not like I said, off the field and on top of him playing in the biggest game of his life. It's it's like a great sports drama. I, like I always say it's like it's it's a TNT. It's like it, it's a TNT style drama with like beautiful illustrations by Jay Reed, who like really like man Jay's so awesome. Like for real talk, like if Jay isn't working for like the bigger companies, like a year from now they losing. Yeah, yo, seriously, yeah, they losing. Like, like straight up, like they just they they losing. If they, like if they don't see that, they losing. And um, and so like like I said, me and Bialx Thompson, we wrote the story, and I've never seen anybody illustrate the game of football and make it simple for everybody like Jay did. 
like I have like I have had a lot of friends that don't watch football, but like they watch ESPN documentaries. It's like, yo, this book is dope. Like I need like I understand the game because I read I read this book. And I'm just like, well, like that means a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that means a lot. But yeah, force is available on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com, type my name, uh, Sean Pryor, and you'll see that. You'll see Cash and Carry, you'll see Kentucky Kaiju and a couple other things as well. And it's also available on Comixology. And um, you probably also get it at Barnes and Noble, anywhere where books are sold online, either digitally or in print. So, um, so with those stories, right? Like you know, um, Kentucky Kaiju, Cash and Carry, and now Lifted. Um, you know, you you cover like a wide range of like genre and subject matter. Like, how do you like like basically like what stories haven't you told that that you're looking forward to telling? Are there any other things that you you know not to reveal? Your, yeah. your your projects, but like what types of stories are he's working, interesting? He's working on his sex book. No, 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 fam. Yo, I'll, I'll I'll let the professionals handle that, yo. I'll let the professionals that. Um, you know, but no, but like all all do like all respect though, all respect. Um, I I know that this year we have this Kickstarter for you know for lifted of gods and thieves. Um, and you know, and then also then we'll start to work on cash and carry book two. Um, cause that's something that's long overdue and we're going to get that going after that, you know, after this. Um, but then next year, there are some things I want to do. I do have, I do have like a number of projects that I want to do and some of it will be used via Kickstarter. I have to go via Kickstarter. Some of it, um, won't be via Kickstarter. Um, but like, um, like there's going to be, I can't like I said, I, I don't want to talk about the project projects just yet because I know the moment I open my mouth and say them, none of them will happen. So if I keep with this, so but like there are, I do want to hop into still continue to hop into different genres, right? Um, you know, not just superheroes. Um, you know, like there's other genres that I, I want to get into. You know, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, like uh, say for instance, like yo, how come like how come we ain't never had our own Archie fam? What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean? You know, I'm talking about like for people of color, for people of color, like why haven't we ever, we've never truly had our own Archie comic. I mean, we've had, I mean, we have Love and Rockets for one. Yeah, no, oh, yes, Love and Rock, Love and Rockets is dope, but like, see, that's the thing, like, Love and Rockets surpasses Archie, though, for me. It's you know absolutely, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it like, that, like, Love and Rockets is like on the Mount Rushmore shit. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like it's above and beyond. Love and Rockets is dope as hell. But I'm talking about like like an inclusive Archie for this new generation of kids, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure some editor over at some companies hearing this right now is just like, oh, let me call some, let me call some folks up and we're gonna go ahead and get this started. <laughs> but um, but like um, where's that? That should have happened, like that should have happened years ago. Like I said, once again, no shade to Love and Rockets because I love Love and Rockets. But like, like Love and Rockets has an audience that's been built in for so long. That's been built in for so long. I'm not saying it's hard to crack, but but like we need that. We need an Archie. We need an inclusive Archie for people of color. And we're gonna get there too. We're gonna get there. But like that's just one of the things I've been thinking about. Like a lot of this, they're like, I've got like so many projects that are like in the pipeline. I'm trying to get lined up. But I know if I try to do it all at once, I'm literally going to melt down and die. So, 
Like I'm, I'm doing it a bit at a time. But the other thing that I want to do next year, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. I need to sit down and, and talk with some people and also have a long talk with myself. I want to give black women the opportunity to be able to be a part of comics and to be able to like write comics to actually get into the direct market to, to, to get, you know, to get into, you know, to like be in a comic that hits an actual book bookstore or be available digitally to get them into this mainstream market. I know, like I said, sure. I know, I, I know I don't have that much weight. I know I don't, but I do have abilities to get, to get certain things out there. So mm-hmm. I want can to, I, can, I, can I ask you something, Sean, Talk how many me. black women are involved in uh, in action lab properties? And actual ad properties, man, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I need to think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I'm, no, no, no. They're... No, you know, for real, like I'm I'm glad you brought it up. I'm, I'm being I'm being dead serious because I really need to think about that. And like that's part, that's part honestly, in all sincerity, it's part of the reason why I came back to Action Lab. Mm. Because like I want like I want to make things better. Um, I want to make things better. And like, and like the thing is the action lab line, there are a lot of like inclusive books visually. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, you know, there's like a lot of inclusive books visually, but like, let's really look at like the creative teams, you know what I mean? And like, you know, there's been some black dudes, there's been, there's been women. Um, however, like how many, like how many black women are on the, are on these rosters? And I, and like, that's the thing I've been looking, I've been trying to look at as of late and those numbers are very low. Yeah, it's so, probably because no black women are, are are making comics or writing comics. Oh, and the I'm, thing I'm, is, the, I'm totally kidding. They, no, <laughs> no, but, but it's interesting what you're saying because it makes me think of of Ed Williams over at ArcLight. Like, did you see his yeah. initiative from what was it like a few months ago? Maybe like four yeah. months ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with it. Um, yeah, like Valerie Complex. Um, I know, I know Stephanie's involved in 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 the projects that they have working on. Um, but that was like that was sort of a thing that grew. Like he posited that exactly like you're positing it right now. Like, wait, we're making a black woman character comic. Um, I need some black, I need black women. And then the community kind of rallied around that. And on top of that, from what I understand, he got them paid and they're building something that looks pretty amazing. And I think asking that question, I think asking that question is sort of embarrassing. Sometimes it's sort of uh, self-exposing in a weird way to be like, oh, shit, if I'm asking this question, does it mean that I haven't empowered marginalized women as much as I should? And maybe you have it. <laughs> so that's why you need to ask that question and, like, figure it oh, out. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you have to you have to ask that question. Like I said, I've been, I've been in the game, but, like, I spent, like, the first eight years just trying to get a foothold. Right. And, like, I had like, – <laughs> no power you know what i mean like no power no movement no weight no nothing i just spent like eight years throwing punches Mm -hmm. and and like i was tired but now i'm in a better place now where there are more opportunities and ways for me to do things to help others i can't help the entire world but you know if i can if i can help you know three you know three or four black women give them the opportunity to write a comic and let them be a part of something and let them see how the business works, then that's great. And what I want to do more. Yeah. But like, I also, I also know how, how much, how much energy and space that I have too. And I have to be honest with myself about that, you know, because I I'm, I'm 42. 
I'm, you know, and I joke that I'm a young 42, but like, I know I'm good at expending energy and trying to help everybody and trying to help the world as a whole. But if you don't reserve energy, energy for yourself, all of this for nothing, because then you can't keep moving. And that's something that I've had to learn. And it's been tough. It's been tough, man. Like, I want to give money to every Kickstarter anytime, like, you know, to like, you know, anytime I see like, you know, a, a project, I'm like, okay, I got I want to give money. I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. You know, for like all these other projects that I personally want to do, I just, just want to help people, want to help get people on and all this other stuff. But also at the same time, it's a thing of like, I have to also give myself space to breathe because I can't help everybody. But if I help, if I'm able to help a couple people at a time, though, that sets that starts a spark and that spark could lead to something else and lead to something you know, and, and lead to, you know, that bouncing off to another person and bouncing off to another person, you know, so the opportunities may not be the biggest, you know, it's not going to be some, oh, write this backup, this backup story for me. I'm not doing that shit. I no, 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 no. I, if you're going to write, you're going to write a full comic. And, um, and like I said, when I came back to action, when I came back to action lab and I looked at the action lab roster and I looked at the books, I was just like, <sighs> I was like, yeah, we need, we, we need to, we need to work on this show. We, we do. We need to work on this. So no, no. So no, like, you know, like, yeah, like in Leo, you're right. It's like, yeah, this kind of is a little bit, of, it's, it is embarrassing, but you know what? The thing is, is that if we don't call it out and we don't talk about it, then we ain't never going to change it. For sure. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. And I, like I said, I want to initiate movement. I want to initiate movement and I, I want to be a part of that change. So, um, so yeah, man. You know, so yes, that's, but yeah, that's, that's some of it, you know, that's, that, that's some of it. Like I said, I couldn't really, I can't really give away the things that like, I really want to tell y'all that I want to work on, but like, um, I'm just, man, I like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, like I said, man, I'm just ready to keep it moving. I'm ready to keep it moving. And like, and like for this project here, when you look at lifted of gods and thieves, like these are all people that I've known for, that I've known for years, and like I'm finally at this point where we can do this and we can, you know, hopefully make this successful. I wanted to work with Uko Smith for like damn near 10 years. I met Uko at a convention 10 years ago. I was like, this man's amazing. And back then I couldn't do it. Like I, I couldn't work with him. And y'all couldn't work with him back then. Like I wasn't on, like I felt I wasn't on his level. And then like the um, you know, like the money and the time and like I just didn't have that. Well, thanks to Kickstarter, I got that time now. We can work this out. We can make it work, you know? And, like, this project isn't only for me, but this is for John. John, you know, John's been busting his ass on this. You know, he's, like, more than earned this. You know, like, I owe this to him. He came to me in 2013 and was like, I want to work with you. And I made a promise to him. And even when my life, like, completely fell apart in 2014... And I literally had to rebuild myself from the ground up in 2015 and then coming back and being like, oh, shit, we never finished this. I got to No, I promised John we finished this. No, I owe it to John. I owe it to Chris. I owe it to Keith. I owe it to Uko. I owe it to George. I owe it to Eric. I, you know, I owe it to the whole squad. So I'm going to be out here for like the next 43 days promoting my ass off until y'all get sick of me <laughs> and, and y'all back lifted of gods and thieves and you know like i said i know it's a bunch of dudes on this project once again project started five years ago 
where I was five years ago is completely different than where I'm at now, but I owe it to these dudes to get this project out here. And it's something I believe in. And it's something that I love. And I got to work with people that I consider friends and extended family. So it means a lot to me. And so we're going to get it and we're going to make it happen. And then after that, like I said, like I am going to do my best to be a little bit more aware. Well, I've always been aware. If you go back to Cash and Carry, I was very aware back in 2015, 2016. I was extremely aware about the need for inclusivity in the creative team. There are many men and women and people of color on that project. And that's the same way it's going to be with Cash and Carry book two. So, you know, I'm going to be able to make the books I want to make, work with the people that I want to work with, work with. But at the same time, I'm going to do my best to make sure I keep the game moving forward so we don't have to move backward. I'm sold. I want to make another note because Shannon made a great point that we all missed. Um, what Shannon tweeted, it would be great to get more black women in the door so we can say if we make comics, it would be even better if we were given more opportunities to be the ones opening those doors as bosses, editors, decision makers, etc. Yes. Um, I think that's also key because I think if black women were making those moves, we wouldn't be a bunch of guys in the podcast asking questions <laughs> like, wait, are there any black women on our shit? Hold on a second. Right. right. On a second. No, no. You're absolutely, absolutely right. No, no. And that's real talk. Yeah. That's real talk. Yeah. Absolutely right. That's 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 uh, that's sincere truth. And I, and I feel like we've been seeing a bit of movement in that in the past months. Um, but there's a ton of work to do. Oh, yeah. There's there's always going to be work to do, man. Like, you know, like all like all like all industries, like all businesses, most of them are decades behind. And um, comics is playing a ridiculous game of catch up. And most of them don't want to play. So, you know, like I said, we just have to continue to. As always, make those roads and make those ways for ourselves. You know, if you, you know, go look at C. Spike Trotman. C. Spike yeah, Trotman, Trotman yeah, absolutely. Has, made over a million, has made over a million dollars in, via Kickstarter, yo. She's, she's been giving people books that they want for an audience that's been, that's been you know, long just malnourished and not fed. Mm. And, she's, and, she's found, and she's found that audience. She's, making, she's putting out those books. She's curating those books. She's done an incredible job, and she's doing fantastic. So, you know, like I said, like nine times out of ten, you try, you try, you try to play their way, and you try to play their game. And if they don't want to play, fuck it, do it yourself. Um, so, I do oh, have a suggestion. Before you ask that question, Marcus, I know what questions you're going to ask. I just have one suggestion. I think okay. you should write a story about an ice cream car. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Okay. Uh, now, I don't care how you do it. I, I, know I, I want that this, story. Tony, but I, I do. I do need Sean to make this at some point. <laughs> okay, let, let, let me when write. He's let, ready. let me write that down before I forget about the ice cream. <laughs> car. About the ice cream car. Yo, I'm for real, man. Ice cream, like for real, man. It was like this, like short, like one two year period. Ice cream cars, man. Like, I, I, I man, there's nothing like seeing, like an like a. Um, an Oldsmobile, like a 1986 Delta Oldsmobile, a Delta 88. Come through your hood, like all black with like the with like the leather top, and pull and like I, and they and they got like a little sign they just taped to the side of their car. It says ice cream. <laughs> Did the wow. guy have rollers? Did the guy have rollers in his hair? No, he had no rollers in his hair. No, he had no rollers. You know, you know, he was playing some Alexander O'Neill, <laughs> right, right. Like, of course. And like and like I said, you know, for him, he says nice big piece of paper with a sharpie. Ice cream on both sides of the car, and like you know, the kids would run out. He run out, pop the trunk, and you just see like, like it would be like a 
a big old trash, like trash bags all in the trunk. And then you see these, ice, like, you know, you know, those big bags of ice you buy from the grocery store all in there. And then there's the ice cream on top. Wow. And like, you know, just selling like ice cream sandwiches for a quarter or here's, you know, here's this, you know, for like 50 cent. Like, and it was just cheap because not every, you know, not everybody had bread. But like the thing is, back then it was the 80s. Like I said earlier, you could cake up off a lot of quarters and 50 cent pieces and a lot of, you know, two quarters or whatever. You could cake up real fast. And so, um, you know, and it's just like also at the same time, like a lot of kids couldn't like, you know, there's like when I grew up in Middletown, there used to be this corner store that was about I probably say like about a 10 minute walk from my grandma's house. And so after school, sometimes we would go over there, you know, we get some like some now and laters, some lemon heads, mm-hmm. you know, some, some Alexander the Great. You know what I mean? And get um, I guess they used to call them like little jugs or little hugs back in the day. Little hugs, yep. yeah, quarter water. Yeah, yeah the quarter, quarter water. Yes, the quarter waters. Yes, the quarter waters. And like, you know, when you could go over there, but there were some kids that like, yo, man, you know, the parents were like, no, I can't go over there. I'm not allowed. I got to stay home because my parents ain't home. And so, so for them, the ice cream car dude was kind of like, you know, it was the backup plan because like, yo, I can't go to the store. But here come ice cream, dude, and I can just run off the porch real quick, grab this ice cream sandwich, and I can enjoy life before my parents get home. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, like, yeah, man, ice cream car, for real, man, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna to, I'm writing it down right now because I don't want to forget the ice cream car. I don't want to forget the ice cream car. In, in the Bronx, people actually um, make ices and sell them out their apartments. They'll put signs out in the summer, like on the on the gates on first floor windows, and they'll be like, yo, 2F, and we got these flavors, blah, blah, blah. You can go up there and, and, and get ices from grandma. What? Uh, straight up. Now I want some piagua. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's not even piraguas. That's like that's like literally abuelita, like making making ices in, in their crib. But no, yeah. And then the piraguetos is another thing. And they'd be making their own, like, modes of conveyance. Uh, those dudes are like some of like the original hustlers, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there, when I was six years old, and this was once again Middletown, Ohio. Um, we were all over my grandma's house, and one of my uncles was like, Yo, um, this one dude just this one guy just opened up a candy store at his house, and it's about 10 minutes away. And we was like, oh, okay, well, let's let's go check it out. Because it was it was a neighbor, like, you know, they lived 10 minutes away that everybody knew. So they knew it was safe, but you still went as a group. So it was me, my mom, a few uncles, and some other folks. We take the walk. And we go over to this dude's house, you know, and, and like, he just says, oh, yeah, just come on in, go on down to the basement. We go on down to the basement. This dude, you thought he, like, just, like, robbed a truck, Okay. He had boxes on boxes on boxes on boxes of candy. So, like, you know, like he had his he had his like lemonhead section. So he he'd have like four big old boxes that were not opened yet of lemonheads. But then he had the lemon like the lemonheads available for sale on top of that. And it was like like all the candies, like I talked about earlier, lemonheads, Alexander the Great, Jolly Ranchers. I'm not talking about these Jolly Ranchers y'all get now with these little bits and pieces. I'm talking about them big old sticks of Jolly Ranchers. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I remember those. They don't have those no more. What happened to those? Yo, I remember them shit. Yeah, you could be, you'd be like sucking on them and then eventually like they become like a shank. Like you could like yeah, kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, like they don't, they don't make them no more. Like, like uh, Laffy Taffy and laugh, the Laffy Taffy blocks was like, you know, it's about a, like a foot long and it was like two inches thick mm-hmm. um you know a big league chew like big all league the chew yes like yes. you know like the dip like the the dip em sticks all that he had all that downstairs and once again stuff was like quarter 
50 cent, 35 cent. And you walking out with like a big old bag of candy that lasts you like a week. You know, mom's looking at you like, no, you know, yeah. And mom's looking at you like, yo, you eat one, you get to eat one of those things a day. I see you eating more than one in your butt. You know, but like, like you can't do that no more. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you can't do that no more. But so like when you said like, you know, folks was making ices in their own house. I'm like, whoa, that's wild. Memory lane. Yeah, man. Um, be- before I forget, um, uh, Rod, you know, friend of the show, Rod from Seventh Matrix. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had he had a question, Sean. Um, he wanted you to, uh, you know, just speak a little bit about navigating the racist toxicity that exists in the the comic book industry. Yo, like, like for like the, the one way I, I navigate through it, I just really honestly try to surround myself with good people, yo. Um, I try to surround myself with good people that I can trust and and try to stay as far away from the toxicity as possible. Doesn't mean that like you don't confront it. It doesn't mean that you don't deal with it, you know, but there are ways to like I said, there are ways to combat it. And like for me, ways to combat it is to make the books that I'm making or help or or also help others who are trying to learn about the business, give them keys and tips so they understand the things, the things and the walls and the barriers that they're going to face or they may face, you know, or just like help give them a push. Like sometimes the best thing that we can do in this game is just help each other. And it doesn't, and like, once again, like, I know we can't help everybody. I I get it. And like, there's something, there's something, and I can't, but some like there, but there are moments where I'm like, okay, so-and-so asked me this question. And if I if I just legitimately spend like two minutes of my time answering back, it could change that person's life. It could give that person that boost. Can we do it for everybody every day? No. But surround yourself with good people. Surround like you know, surround yourself with good people. Not yes, not not people that just say yes to everything you do, but surround yourself with people that are like creative like you. If you can, you know, if you can, surround yourself with people that understand what it is you're trying to do. Because like a lot of times, you know, we are surrounded by people that don't understand what we do. And they just think, oh, this is just a hobby. Oh, this is cute. Oh, you know, like, you know, well, my son wants to make comedy, but they don't understand that like, yo, (laughs) this is a business, man. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is a legit business. And it's one thing if you're doing it as a hobby, which is fine. But it's another thing if you run this as a business, like a kick, like, you know, I'm running a Kickstarter. This is a business. You know, I, I got books that are in the direct market and in bookstores. This is a business. I, you know, like I, I do conventions. I got to spend money on these tables and hotels and stuff. I got to keep, keep track of these records. This is a business. So, you know, surround yourself with creative people that have like the energy and passion that you do. But also, like I said, y'all, you know, y'all willing to help each other and lift each other up. And it's only like, you know, yo, and if there's some dudes like better, some dude or some ladies better than you, yo, let that get you inspired to like, you know, go in and just like, hey, man, this this cat came out swinging. I got to come out swinging, too. We can all learn from each other. Mm-hmm. We can all we can all learn from each other. Yo, we can. We can. We can all learn from each other. So I, I hope I hope I answered the question properly, because sometimes, man, you know me, I just keep talking. I'm like, did I have to answer that? <laughs> No, you got it. I, I don't think you've ever unsuccessfully answered the question, so I think you're you're good. Okay, cool. Thank you. Because I know how I get, man, because, like, I like to talk sometimes, sometimes too much. I even tell myself, man, shut up. Nobody in our audience is going to tell you to shut up. I think everybody just pulls up a chair and, and, and you know, lets you hold court. 
Yo, what, yo, what was your what was your favorite ice cream out the truck when you were a kid? Man, yo, real talk, man. My favorite, my favorite. I ain't gonna lie, man. It was it was, it was ice cream sandwiches, yo. Anytime I got an ice cream sandwich, mm. like man, I was in seventh heaven. And my my, my runner up though. That's what you got out the good humor truck. Like you got ice cream sandwich preferred or the car. I mean, whichever, whatever. Like I would I would normally go for the ice cream sandwich because it was the cheapest. Okay, mm. and like you know because sometimes That's the money true. wasn't there, That's but. True. But, but, but now if the money was good that week and yeah. mom was like, yo, here's, here's a, you know, here's like a dollar 50, please believe I ran to that ice cream truck and I got like either the Mickey Mouse bar with the bubblegum eyes wow. or, whatever, or whatever cartoon character it was at that time that was hot. I got wow. one of them joints and like, man, man, it's victory. victory. Mickey was always hot me nothing. Mickey was always hot though. Oh wow. yeah, Mickey. Mickey stayed hot, and I and I remember when I was when I was back in Middletown, like in two thousand. Like I went to go visit family like one time in two thousand ten, and I saw the ice cream truck. And instead of Mickey, it was SpongeBob. I was like, I was like, man, I was like, yeah, times done changed. Sponge SpongeBob came up. No, no, yeah, I grew, I grew up. It, Mickey was definitely there. Ninja Turtles was was there big time. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah, man, those was hot too. Those but I th- yo personally, and and I'm not a I'm not, even back then I kind of was, but this wasn't why I got them. I got them because they taste amazing. My number one ice cream out the truck has to be. Do you remember the WrestleMania bars? Oh yes. my god. Yo, you remember those that had the yes. printed wrestler on like the biscuit side and then they had yeah. like chocolate on the other side? It was like an ice cream sandwich on a stick with like a, a printed wrestler on this kind of cookie part. That was the best bar out the truck. Yo, them joints was tight. Them joints was tight, but also the ice cream trucks that would sell the jello gelatin pops. Mm. Fam. I don't know those. I don't know those. Like just straight up jello? Like jello jello? Yo, yo, frozen jello. It was like jello gelatin pops was imagine somebody took jello and found a way to whip it Uh, and make it like whip, make it cream, make make jello creamy and turn it into a popsicle. Wow, no, I don't think we. See them joints. Them joints was in the store. Like was in the. I think, I think the dude in the car made them shits in his car. No, 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 (laughs) fam, fam, fam. Bam. They were in the grocery stores in the 80s, in the 1980s. And so what like a lot of really? ice cream, well, a lot of ice cream trucks would do, they would just buy the boxes from the grocery stores and put them in their trucks. Because like kids would eat them all the time. Man, I miss yeah, Joe so much. That was like that was the blue tops. That was the blue tops on the truck. That was like, yeah, yeah we got that fire. <laughs> <laughs> Brought them from the stash house. You know what I'm yes, saying? Dan. No, I, I, I don't remember that ice cream at all, at all, at all. Um, hmm. yeah, but yeah, see, what I was saying before is that you know in New York City, Mr. Softy got it on lock, so it's mm. soft serve ice cream all the time. No, <laughs> no, but there's a the good humor guy, and there's yeah, like, but they're not in the same block. No, and there's Softy. like Yo, who like got the truck from the lot and like kind of put, like, put like some shit on it, you know, and then <laughs> kind of rolling through. And he got candy, and he didn't pay tax on that shit. Like that <laughs> shit was just kind of figured out beforehand and what. Like you had those. There is there there is the Mister the Mister Softy guys like in, in my neighborhood in the Bronx. It's like yeah, it's like almost strictly Mister Softy. Yeah, they'll <laughs> yeah. run but you off Marcus, the road if you're not. Marcus, what do you you got you got ice cream? What's your preferred ice cream out the truck? I mean, it was always the, the lemon ices. Although I, I do have to okay, agree. Okay. I do have to agree that the, the ice cream sandwich is just the the reliable. It, it, it'll never let you down. You know what I'm saying? No, like, it's true. It yeah, yeah. 
Lemon, lemon ices are like the the treat. But but the ice cream sandwiches. You talking about like you talking about like the merinos? Are you talking about like they in the kind of like push stick that you kind of like pressed up? No, yeah. like the ones in the like little the little paper cup. Like the merinos ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yellow, yeah. like the yellow cup with like the yeah. little like wooden thing that like is not yeah, very trustworthy. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, and then like you be eating, and then like eventually you flip it, and all the syrups on the bottom because they don't yeah. fucking keep the truck frozen all night. So like mad sugar like rests to the bottom, and then you eat the sugar part. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I got you. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Just, just sugar shock and diabetes, yo. Sugar <laughs> shock and diabetes. You know, that's all. That's that's all. That's all we got hit with in the '80s. Like, see, absolutely. So many, so many people fail to understand. Like, yo, you go to the grocery store now, and like, you know, you get some, like, you know, some juice boxes. You know, f- for the seeds. You know, for the youth, you get them the juice boxes, and the juice boxes are like. You know, they're, they're very small. They're very small. You know, it fits really good in a child's hands, and they can just drink it up. And that's probably like, yeah, about six ounces of juice. Back in the 80s, a high C juice box was guaranteed 20 ounces of juice in <laughs> one pouch. Yep. And I'm like, yo, why are you killing these kids? And then, but when we was kids, we didn't we didn't care. It's like, yo, this is some good high C fruit punch. Yo, let me get that ecto cooler, son. Okay, great. Slip it all up, and it's just like... And like, if we go back, and if I'm for real, man, like half the stuff we ate, drank, or consumed as mm-hmm. as kids in the mm-hmm. quantities before they put calorie counts on shit, mm-hmm. how are we still alive? I know, I know. No, like, no, like little Debbie's are literally toxic waste. Like those are <laughs> garbage. <laughs> food yo, yo I consume and I ate so stuff. many, dude. Like so many of them shits. Yo, and it's like the on the real, but see, like, and this is how little Debbie would get you though. Little Debbie had phase one and phase two. Phase one, little Debbie, phase one, little Debbie is when you go to the grocery store and they got like the little like the box of like you know the oatmeal cream pies, just like the box or the or the box of fudge rounds or the box of like you know the Swiss cake rolls, right? So, and you know, and they're all you know nicely small sized, you know, just you know, a good serving. But then if you went to, like, the convenience store, they was like, yo, you know what we got for y'all? We got Little Debbie, but it's a big-ass oatmeal cream pie for 99 cents. And it's, like, the size of three of them. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, I heard you like fudge rounds. And, like, it's, it's, it's like Exhibit came out of nowhere. It's like, yo, I heard you like fudge rounds. So what we did was we put a fudge round on your fudge round and then mashed it into another fudge round. And it's 700 calories, 99 cents. You know you want one. And you and you best believe I bought one right after school. <laughs> Yo, man, like, oh my god! No, it's crazy because I remember thinking like when I had like my first shitty job when I was when I was a kid, I was like, okay, well, um, you know, there's everyone's talking about inflation and shit, but like I could still get like a little a little Debbie, you know, like oatmeal cream pie for twenty five cents, so I'm good. I'm good. Like my particular method of financing here has remained the same, even if inflation is bothering everybody else. That's how you got to see it. Oh man, yeah, man, it's, it's it's just it's wild. Like, and the thing is, it's not that long ago. Like we're talking like thirty thirty something years ago, which really isn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's not. <clears throat> it is. It is not. Man, I, I cannot believe we got on a tangent about about snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this, like is the not, conversation, though. this is not a normal topic on the show at all. <laughs> you know what, though? I think that this is, uh, this is setting tone for the uh, the interest level that people will have for your ice cream truck story. Ice cream Yo. car story. Ice cream. This all go. happened because of ice cream cars. Yes. Right, right. 
ice cream cars. Like it's, it's what I like for me. I got a post-it note. It's like right by my monitor. It says ice cream cars in quotation marks. Yeah, just hold on to it when 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 you catch up with your stories. Just, just <laughs> hold on to it. I will. I will. I'm hold on to this. I'm hold on to this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's move on to some topics. Topics. Um, I saw Deadpool 2 yesterday. Did anybody else catch this? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't. Oh, no, okay, I so I'm going to do you a favor and tell you to save your money. Oh, Snappington. Okay. Is that a fact? That is a fact. I, I consider it to be the Van Wilder of superhero movies. Oh, shit. Oh. I'm being real. I'm being real. All right, I'm saying, all right. Uh, no, I'm just telling you. And watch Leo love this movie, by the way, because we like, yeah, you know, you are guys you, have to be at odds. Are you a fan, are you a fan of the first Tony? <laughs> yeah, I love the first one. Yeah, I know. I, I think I think the first Deadpool is like real. It's I think it's excellent. I also think it's unusual and dark and a strange movie overall. It's weird that it became as big as it got. Um, and I personally don't have a ton of faith that they'll. That they'll strike lightning twice, but I'm definitely going to see it. Also, Homegirl as Domino was like inspired casting, and I, I definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. Domino like, was great. Dom, Domino, Domino was great, but I think that this movie relied too much on cameos and slapstick. And I'm like, where's the story? Huh. So, um, okay. but you know, if you want to watch it, that's cool. I'm just telling you, you know, you might want to save your money. So you yeah. can see Infinity War, which I'm hoping you did. You see? This I have seen. Right? I've seen Infinity War. Yes. <laughs> you, you waited like five weeks. I know. I was the last person on the show by a long shot to see it. Uh, no, I know. I did. I did indeed see it. I think you know. All right. Like, can I like? Can I? Can I? Can I just express something about it? I did like. Go for it. Go for it. Like Infinity War. Um. All right. Like everybody with all their like meme bullshit about like oh my god people died and whatever like it's the Infinity War like no one's dead so stop it. <laughs> of course of course like if people are, are are sharing cry memes and getting all in their feelings it's like <laughs> you do get that n- all of this will be undone like or ninety percent of it will be undone right like, right and it's weird because like in a way the movies bullshit deaths of all these characters that's like something that marvel became known for oh, like absolutely. definitely in the 90s definitely in the 2000s where it was just like you remember when like people would die and it was like yo i don't know if they're coming like it was a serious thing it was like yo spider-man's dead yo it's, <laughs> it's a rap it's a rap for him but it's all bullshit like we've all like it's been proven to comic readers like many 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 times over that all of that are, are just scandalous lies so i don't care who died in any way yeah you, you know what you know what on that note though like i think that uh well i mean spoilers but i think when uh when t'challa faded away that was like them practically winking at the camera you know what i'm saying because it's like right right the, <laughs> they're like the dude who just made a billion dollars he, yeah. he just went up and smoked. he's done he's done no we're gonna have to find someone else <laughs> no it's no a- what that also what that what that also shows you is is that also that <laughs> when you try to make all these movies at once instead of you know mm. or making them like back to back you know and like not giving yourself room to breathe in between then you get these issues of oh yeah we like because I'm sure Disney knew that Black Panther would be would do well but not as well as it did mm. and so then when you take Black Panther out the equation it's like oh. Oh, so y'all really didn't think it was gonna be that hot? Okay, <laughs> you know, and, and then not only that, I'm just like, okay, you've got all the cats here from Wakanda, but where's Nakia at? Okay, um, you know, it's like, it's like, like, it's it, it's the the big problem. I, like, I 
my girlfriend wanted to see Infinity War, so I was just like, yo, let's let's go check it out. And like my thing is this, because there's not enough time, you know, like, you know, because they, they gotta put these two or three movies out a year every year. There are things that just like seem weird or they seem empty. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that like the characters seem hollow. Like, you know, T'Challa was cool because Chadwick Boseman knows does the great job of the character. Um um Shuri is fantastic because Shuri is you know because Shuri's fantastic it's a fantastic character great cool and Shuri got to do her thing for a minute you know but it's like at the same time you know she was trying to do the thing for Vision and whatnot but also at the same time I'm like yo wait a minute did she have some like some wrist blasters and some other stuff and you know she was like you know trying to you know she was whooping ass like in the last one like seeing there's that disconnect there's 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 like a disconnect, you know what I mean? And so like it's not that it's empty, it's just it's very disjointed because what you saw in Black Panther, I know this is Avengers, it's not a, it's not Black Panther 2. I get that. But what I'm trying to say is is that there is this dis, there's this disconnection because y'all got to make all this stuff at once. Right. Yeah, I got to get yeah. all this done. And so and because of that, you know, you like you know, like you can't you can't go back and do like Three months worth of reshoots because Black Panther became became like one of the biggest movies of twenty of, of twenty eight of twenty eighteen. But you can't do that, you know, because like you know we're on the plan. We have a plan. We make our movies like we make our comics, and so yeah. because of that, there's this there's this like this this some um, disjointment. And I know that's not a word, but I just want to say it. But you know, it's just very disjointed. And so, but now the thing is, is that now they can be like, um, well, you know, we need to, we can, we can now do reshoots for. Well, what was originally supposed to be called Avengers Infinity War Part Two because they filmed both movies back to back. Right, right. So now they can go in and do a shit ton, shit ton of reshoots over the next year if need be. Not only that, they also underestimated how well Thor Ragnarok would do because yeah. Valkyrie's nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And 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 once again, that's the problem. Like yeah. you know, that, that's that's the problem because you you don't have enough time to realize oh. All these wonderful things that came from this film that all these fans enjoy, we can't capitalize on that because we're already moving on and we didn't really think much about those characters. We, and it's back to trust. Like, it's because they have no trust. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's very, that's, that's, that's extremely accurate. And, and it was noticed. But I mean, it, I don't know. It, like, it's also, it's also Marvel, you know? Come on. It, 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 I, I like. I just. I, I, I just don't understand. Like, I. I appreciate the entertainment, but I give almost no passes to any of their bullshit. <laughs> I just really don't. Throw oh well. But the, the the thing is, is that they've they've played a over a decade of kicking the can. Mm. Mm. And and the thing. <laughs> You know, no, no, and then, and once again, this is this is not a form of disrespect. This is just their method. This is their method, wow. and the pro- and the problem is, and here's the problem. The problem is, is that you know Hollywood has changed from in a lot of, in a lot of ways, not all, but in a lot of ways from let's not make movies, let's make franchises. It's right. not about the it's not about the actors now as much as it is about the franchises. Okay. So, so like, you know what I mean? So like it, 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 it's, it's a lot of it's changed and like a lot of that is due to Marvel and, and now so many studios are like, well, we just got it. We got to have franchises and franchises and, and we need to make shared universes. And I'm like, no, you really just need to make some good shit. 
Yeah. Right. Well, that, and, that, and, that blew up in Universal's face. I mean, they they yeah. tried to do that, but that, that well, wasn't. Yes. Yeah. And, and the thing is, even with that, I'm like, I understand what you're trying to do because y'all own all that stuff. I get it. That's fine. But I'm like, yo, y'all just should have let that mummy movie stand on its own first. And if the shit would have really kicked off and hit, then you come around like, yeah, you know what? We got an announcement, y'all. We doing this dark universe, y'all. But instead, they was like, yo, okay, a couple weeks before the movie come out, or a couple months before the movie come out, we're going to do this dark universe. We're going to get y'all ready for this now. And I'm like, y'all do know folks already shitting on this mummy movie with Tom Cruise. And I'm like, and I'm like, then now y'all just made it even worse. So now you've purposely given people a reason to hate because once again, we're also in this really weird Marvel loyalty over everything else bullshit, which is just so strange. Whereas right. where it's like, okay, they're like, so company XYZ is doing a shared universe. Well, Marvel did it first. So it's not, that's not, that's not right. So I have to hate it. And I'm like, huh? It's just, it's dumb. Like, it's dumb. And I'm not, first off, like, I thought the Mummy movie was okay. I thought Dark Universe was a bad idea. Yep. But I thought the Mummy movie was all right. You know, it's, it's right. Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. He gets, he, gets to, he gets to run around. He he jumps off of things and hangs off of planes and does crazy shit. It's Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? But, but like, you know, people are so, like, these studios are so anxious to, like, make universes now. I'm like, yo, just make a good movie first and let the cards fall where they may. So then you can make something even better come around. Like what Marvel does is what Marvel does, period. And it's always going to be that way. And like, yeah, now they're talking about shaking things up and making things different. And they're like, we started that with Black Panther. And we started that with Ragnarok, with Thor Ragnarok. And I'm like, yeah, but you did still built that around Avengers Infinity War, yeah. a movie that like, like y'all was filming, like literally right when those movies were, other movies were done filming and you didn't have, an, you didn't give enough time to breathe, to realize all the things that folks would love that were not incorporated into Infinity War. Now, granted, you have time now to incorporate all those things into part two. Right. But still, you know, like I said, but like, but people, like a lot of people think I shit on Marvel too much. So like, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to eat this check. No, right no, no, no such thing. No such that, thing. That, that, that needs to be the new hashtag. I'm I'm just gonna eat this Chex mix. <laughs> Be careful because people are talking about us talking about breakfast cereals, so we're not gonna go there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> another 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 uh, 80s danger. Oh, I know. But I'm not. Let's not go there. So I know Solo comes out this week. I'm, I'm gonna watch that on Sunday. Um, but they've recently announced a Bobby, excuse me, an Obi Wan film, and then a Boba Fett movie. Any thoughts? Well. Um, if you don't mind, if you, if you don't mind, I just want to take the floor real quick. Go for it. The Boba Fett thing, like James Mangold is writing and directing it. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me see what you got. I, I'm, I'm down. Let me see what you got. The Obi-Wan thing, yo, I want to see Ewan McGregor. I want to see Ewan McGregor do some like yep. badass shit on Tatooine, and I'm good. And, and I'm good. And, the, and like, and I'm good with it. I'm good. Like, man, because like I think with man, like I said, I enjoyed Logan. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Logan. Mm-hmm. I do. Me too. Me too. I enjoyed Logan. So, like, yo, man, if and I'm, I'm saying if he can, if, if James, if James Mango can bring that intensity and feeling and emotion into Boba Fett, plus Boba Fett now is a dude of color because yeah. of um, right because yeah. of Tamara Morrison, um, you know, in in uh, Star in Star Wars Episode Two. So, yo, you know, hey, you know, it's kind of it's, it's a victory, <laughs> you know, in in a lot of ways, it's a victory. So. <laughs> you know, so like I'm I'm hyped about that, but no, like I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor, Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. So I want to see a dope, I want to see a dope bomb ass Ewan McGregor, Obi Wan Kenobi flick. 
I think that's cool. So like I'm I'm good I'm good with those two things. One because of, of the director and slash writer, and the other because you and McGregor will be back hopefully. I think he will. Be. No, he will. I think he's confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah, that's me though. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm I'm looking forward to um to to both. I think uh they both have a lot of potential. Um, and honestly, you know, I remember I remember being a little kid and you know loving Empire when Boba Fett had like you know a second, and then uh, obviously he kind of he kind of went out uh like like a sucker in Return of the Jedi seemingly, <laughs> but but like even despite that, like he had this cult status and like you know everybody. Everybody See, the, the, the question is, who would you rather go out as? Would you rather go out as Django Fett getting your head chopped off or Boba Fett getting eaten? That's, uh, I don't know. I, I would say Boba no, Fett. No, he... no, I'd rather go out as Django. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Boba yeah. got, no, it's, you know what's so sad? A Boba Fett movie is you watching the movie of a guy who died that stupid. <laughs> like, that's right. like the, the early story of a, of a man who would eventually die like that. Like, come on. Right, and in, in in some comics, uh, you know, he he escaped from the pit, but it's kind of like, can you imagine? It used to like, be canon. It used to be canon. I don't know right. if it's canon anymore. Yeah, can you, can you imagine going to the cantina and like and like them being like, "Yo, man, what happened to you?" And be like, "Who? Let me tell you, man. <laughs> I was on his barge, right? And like like Han was blind. He couldn't see anything. He accidentally <laughs> spun around. <laughs> and the rest, man, the rest is the rest is crazy. I I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he went. He went out. He went out kind of like a sucker. But um, no, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I've been liking these side Star Wars movies. I'm hearing some questionable stuff about Solo, to be honest. Um, but I'm definitely going to see it. And yeah, like, I, I, I like the idea that for some reason they appear to be experimenting within that universe. I don't think that there's any, even even if not all of those movies is a is a home run. Like, I don't think there's a problem with that at all. Like, I'm down to I'm down to pay for it. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to both. Um I've been a an, an Obi-Wan fan since the, the dreaded prequels. Uh I think that you and McGregor did such a good job convincing me how great Obi-Wan is. And you know, and I've actually made an argument that it was Obi-Wan that was the greatest Jedi and not Anakin, because if you just look at all the things that Obi-Wan did, yeah, sure, Anakin saved him a couple times, but seriously, I mean I think the breadth of what Obi-Wan did is just is amazing. And, of course, he beat Anakin. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The chosen one. I think it's Obi-Wan. Anyway, um, so we have a three-day weekend. And uh, who would you invite to your nerd barbecue? Anybody in the universe, in all the vast universes, you're having a cookout in your own whatever backyard, even if it's you're getting ice cream from the car. Who would you invite to your nerd barbecue? Yeah, I, would, I, I I gotta say Okoye. I mean, I think I think she would just you know be just just endless entertainment. You know what I mean? Like I, I think I think Okoye would be a good time. <laughs> All right, straight up. I think yeah. I I would definitely invite uh, Cheo Hodari Coker. Oh, I, I smell yeah. a segue coming. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I kicked, I kicked it with him. You know, yesterday we were just we were just hanging out doing doing a quick little podcast, chilling with Cheo. Um, He's a, he's a, he's a, he's exactly what, what, I mean, everything is communicated that he would be, um, super smart, super gracious, uh, you know, form, you know, I, it's something, talking to Cheo, there was something that like I realized, which is, I think there's something key about creatives who were former journalists, 
because like Cheo was literally on the other side of the red carpet and now he's walking on it. Like that's been his like, you know, growth. Like he was covering events and now he's actually at the events. And I think there's something, there's a sort of perspective that, that gives him in his creative work. That's amazing. So Cheo's dad, yo, he's coming to the barbecue and I'm fixing him a plate personally. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Let's see. Um, I'm just going like, you know, what? I'm just going to have to give, um, Walter Emanuel Jones, aka Zach the Black Ranger from Power Rangers, a call. And um, okay, okay. And, um, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because I know you said that he was your favorite uh, black superhero. Of all he's time. my favorite black superhero of all time. And I'm also going to call up. Um, oh, she played uh, played Aisha in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I can't remember her, her, her real name right now. Uh, Karen Karen Ashley, and give her a call too. Come on over. Come on, come on over. Come over to the barbecue. We got some hamburgers. We got some chicken. Got some vegetables cooking. We got, you know, we got the salad plate. So, you know, I, I, I call them up. You know, like, Zach I, Zach just means a lot to me because, like, when Power Rangers came out, damn near 25 years ago, which is crazy if you really think about it. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a period of time where, like, in all sincerity, Power Rangers, 25 years ago, they were the superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 90s comics was hot. The you know the bus didn't happen yet, but like Zach was the black superhero. He was the only black superhero on television. You know what I mean? Like he was it. And in in a in a in an era uh, that was bereft of black heroes. Yes, we had movies like Meteor Man, which I love, and Meteor Man is its own thing. And yes, we had Blank Man. I remember that too. And that and that movie holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> but um, but like Zach was that dude, and like Zach was probably the first time for like a lot of kids. And especially for young kids of color, like for like for Zach, for Trini, um, Aisha, um, and all and like, you know, for like, you know, for kids of color to be able to see themselves on TV and, and also be heroes was a lot. And like, you know, and I was shoot, let's see, I was like 19 when Power Rangers dropped. Or was it 70, 25, 2018? No, I was I'm sorry, I was like, no, I was 18. I was 18. I was like 17 or 18 when Power Rangers dropped. And so like I just thought like it was great because like yo I got my Japanese Super Sentai and I got like you know you know I got this really cool brother doing cool shit and he's a superhero and he's got the badass costume he's got the power axe and he gets to help you know he gets to fight evil and like that was dope and when Aisha came in she was cool and she got to be in the movie you know and so and so like, like I said it was just it was representation that we didn't really have on television superhero wise and for like as far as tv and film goes they were the superheroes because outside of batman and and, and like blade because remember we didn't get x-men until like the late 90s to like the late 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 you know to like the late 90s early 2000s like it was batman blade that was really it so you know and wesley snipes's blade that's what really truly kicked off the superhero movie revolution you know, it all starts with Blade. But remember, wasn't everybody going to the movie theater? But there's a lot of kids at home. There's a lot of teenagers at home. Power Rangers was on. Like, you know, for real, like you, you any kid that was born in the 90s and on, you know, from 90s and on, they know the Power Rangers. Power Rangers was so big. There used to be T-shirts when I worked at Toys R Us. There were T-shirts because like during the Fox Kids block, There'll be T-shirts and it would be a Power Ranger on one side and an X and a, a member of the X-Men on the other side. 
Like, that's how big they were back then. And they're still popular now. Still one of the best-selling toys for 25 straight years. Like, like, and think about it. Like, we live in an era where nothing has longevity like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in today's era where everything is so disposable, they've survived for 25 years. You know, like, SpongeBob's been around for damn near 20. Who would have thought that? But, yeah. but like, but seeing, being able to see Zach meant a lot to me. And like, he was the superhero for me and he forever will be the superhero. It's just, he's that dude. He's cool. He was great. And so, um, so yeah, man, through, through all of it, the good, the bad, and the corny, that's my dude. Wow. 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 Okay. So for me, um, I didn't buy a Panther from Thundercats. Panther? <laughs> yes. Funny oh, feeling. Funny feeling that he could he could cook some rack of ribs. I don't know why I get that feeling. No, no, I read that. I read that. Um, That's a good one. Uh, Shannon on Shannon on Twitter uh, says that she's busting on the ladies out of bitch planet. It's gonna be a party. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that would that. would indeed be lit. Pun intended. <laughs> well, all right. Um, that's it for topics. Any, uh, I know that our our time is is getting short. Uh, any last. Points, any other questions that we have for our great guest? Um, I, I don't know, but I want to do a very quick Valiant Minute. Here we go. Um, just because just because I caught up to date on the new Ninja K. That's not Ninja, it's Ninja K because they're getting into all the different ninjas that's up, up in the agency in MI6. But um, yeah, I finally caught up on Ninja K and it's a it's a very solid book and it's worth taking a look at. Um, it took me a while to like kind of like freak it because I... I'm really married to Matt Kent's version of it, um, but uh, I I think we should check it out. Also, he's apparently getting into a relationship with Livewire, which is sort of interesting. So apparently Livewire and Ninja K are down. Um, and <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I think I read somewhere that Valiant has like deleted the their their web series like everywhere. Like you can't even <laughs> They heard they heard our scathing uh I mean of it. I don't know man I don't know but like I don't blame them <laughs> I would I, if I could remove that from the if I could delete that from my internet history I would as well and I think they should <laughs> uh, I didn't get to see it cuz I heard you guys talking good. about it and I was like yo I'll get around to it but totally good. good we could we could reenact it that's yeah. really good. Yo, that will be the best. Yo, we should, oh. we should have a. All right. Yo, special black comic set event at New York Comic Con is us reenact, is Tony and I reenacting Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe by memory. Yeah. You can <laughs> sweet it. Like, you guys saw it be kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'd actually be down for that. I would legitimately. Right. We, we, we got to have that sweet chat. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll have to think about this because that's not bad. Oh, Lord. Oh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, read, yeah, read Ninja K, read Ninja K, Christos Gage. It's good. It's a good book. Um, I'm looking to see where they take it, but I am, uh, I am officially on board for it. I haven't really been so official until now. I'm officially on board for that book. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. cool. Oh, um, real quick. I want to, uh, Rod, uh, from seventh matrix again, pointed out that there was also, uh, Carl Lumbly as Mantis in the, in the oh, Mantis. Yes. How yes. Yes. Mantis. Mantis. Yo, yes, I used to yes, watch Mantis. that all how long did that show run? One season. It was just one. Because I watched it through that live on TV, like whenever it was on. There was uh, a two. There was a two hour. There was a two hour pilot, mm -hmm. and then 
when it got greenlit the series, they made them, if you ever get to see the, the movie slash pilot, the movie slash pilot in the series, there's a complete revamp. This completely revamped. Like the movie pilot is fantastic. And then Fox was like, this is way too black. You have to pull this back. <laughs> you have to pull this back. So when you watch the series, so when you watch the series, like I still had a good time with it, but I'm like, yo, man, who's some of these corny ass characters in this? What happened to like all the black people? And so like it, it, it got changed. Um, I still en- I still enjoy it. And I think it's available on DVD somewhere, I believe. But yeah, you're right. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot about. I forgot about the homie Mantis because yeah. that, that 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 was my stuff. I forgot about Mantis. Yeah, oh, that was that was that was big when it was on. Like I I distinctly remember that, and that was a big deal. And that does. I think Mantis does get forgotten frequently. Be- yeah, you know, because nobody talks about it. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't remember till just now. You know, because like my friend Daryl, he'll bring it up every now and then. Like, oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that before. And then we just forget again. You know, it's just, and it's not that it's, you forget on purpose. It's just once again, there's just so much stuff. But also, we were just so conditioned to be bereft of superhero entertainment in the '90s because you know they didn't really think about us. You know what I mean? They yeah. just didn't. Right. You right. know, so like it's easy. So it's kind of easy to forget when the opportunities weren't always there. But when the opportunities were there, we watched the shit out of it. But, you know, once again, the network came in. Nah, not too black. Tone it back. Pull it back. Pull it back. You know. And, it's you know, it's kind of like saying with New York Undercover. Oh, oh that, that's what I was just thinking You know, yeah. New York Undercover was amazing. And then the thing was, was that, like, Fox, mm-hmm. you know, finally got the NFL and when they got the NFL contract, they was like, yo, man, th- you know, we got too many black shows. We need you. We got to we got to whiten this up. We got to whiten this up. And that's and that's that's part of the reason why in season you know, like I forget when they when they brought in the white detective, the Irish yep, cop. Yep. And, and they, they killed Torres. Yeah. And it, it's oh, yeah. We'll see that they, they killed Torres because Torres was hey, like spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> spoilers, spoilers from 1995. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you can't you can't even get New York Undercover on DVD. You can't find the streaming. There's like one. I think is it is it uh I think it's called Centric, and it may be called something else now. It's like one station. Um, uh, there's one station that still plays New York Undercover every day. Really? That's it. Yeah. Um, but like besides that, it's very hard to find. But what happened was was that Michael DiLorenzo and Malik Yoba was like, listen. You got us filming on these rough ass streets. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, had homeless people stab them, all types of shit, right? And they was like, no, nah, man, you know, you ain't taking care of us. We striking. We want more money. We get, you know, we got good ratings. Even when the network was really trying to force changes to basically appeal to white viewership because they were getting the NFL. Um, and they were going to start making all these changes. So eventually Malik Yoba comes back. And but Di Lorenzo was like, no, nah, man, give me my bread. And, you know, uh, Dick Wolf was like, I think he felt to realize who the fuck it is I am. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why Torres gets killed. Boom. And then the show completely changes. Yep. They bring in Tommy from Martin, the, the late the late Tommy Ford. Um, oh they, bring, they bring him in. They get rid of the, original, the chief. Like, it all changes. The whole structure of that show changes. And it's not the same. And then it's gone. Hmm. I love that show. Yo, they drove, I, I know it was great. They drove it into the ground. Yeah, man, love that show, man. I miss that so much. There was a, 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 a like a docu a docu series uh, called Unsung. Unsung, yeah. So and, and they did one on a uh, New York undercover. New York undercover is fantastic. Oh, um, yeah, Marcus, you wanna you wanna you wanna play us out? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I mean, everyone and anyone, you know, listening to the sounds of our voices, if you haven't already pledged to Lifted, you know, of Gods and Thieves, definitely go there now. You know, I mean, Sean's going to gonna give you a little bit more info, but uh, I urge you to go check it out, man. It's 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 dope. And like we like like we said, our man always comes through on his Kickstarters with that quality. So so sure. definitely back in and you won't be disappointed. Oh, thank you. So, thank yeah, Sean, Sean, where, where can people find you and your work and uh, most importantly, Lifted? Yo, first off, I want to say thank you again. All, you know, you know, thank you again, Leo, Tony, Tony Marcus. Thank you for having me on the show. I had a good time. I had a very good time tonight. And I hope, you know, folks that was listening that y'all enjoyed it, too. Um, you can find Lifted of Guys and Thieves on Kickstarter. Two way, like the two easiest ways to do it. You can either go to Kickstarter.com and like in the search search header, type my name, S-H-A-W-N-P-R-Y-O-R, Sean Pryor. You'll find it that way. Or if you type www.liftedgodsthieves.com, it will take you straight to that Kickstarter page. And, um, and you can make your pledge there. I really hope that you dig the project. Um, we, you know, like I said, we're putting our heart and soul into it. Check out the video. Read over the rewards. Read over the story. I really, truly hope you dig it. I hope you back it. I hope you support the project or tell a friend. Um, it would mean everything to us. And um, like I said, we're trying to raise $8,500. We got 43 days to go as of this recording. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that goal is met and that all rewards are fulfilled. Now, if you want to know about my other works that I do, the easiest thing to do is go to Amazon. If you go to Amazon, um, if you go to Amazon, just uh, go in the search header. Once again, type my name. Sean Pryor, and you will see like one of my books, and then you'll see like a hyperlink, and you just click on my name, and it will take you directly to my author page on, on, on Amazon. And you can see all the stuff that I've worked on that's available for retail sale. Um, some, you know, some is digital, some is print, some are both. And you can check my works there. On the social media tip, I'm normally on Twitter the most because Twitter is a very addictive drug that can be very bad for you. Um, <laughs> But you can find me on Twitter at Sean R. Pryor, S-H-A-W-N-R-P-R-Y-O-R. You can find me there on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, it's at the Sean P. Show. Um, you can find me there. Um, those are normally like the two best places social media-wise to try to find me. Um, Facebook, I'm not on there too much. And if I am, I'm, I'm like I might talk about a project real quick. But normally, I'm just there to check on family, look at baby pictures, and see how folks is doing, and I'm out. So, uh, but normally Twitter and Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me. I also do a podcast uh, with Daryl Taylor, Julian Lytle, and uh, Gil Cologne called um, Culture Trapping. It's 19 episodes in. You can get that on the Taylor Network of Podcasts. Um, it's not safe for work, so please have your earbuds in because there's a lot of cuss words, and we're grown folks. And, you know, just sometimes we just got to let it all out. So um, we talk about pop culture. We talk about life. Um, we talk about a lot of real shit too. So, um, uh, culture trapping, find that on the Taylor network of podcasts and, um, and the publisher I work for action lab. You can find their books on comiXology, um, under action lab entertainment. There's two labels, action lab and action lab danger zone. So, uh, so there you go. But, um, but yes, please, if you can support the lifted of gods and thieves Kickstarter, um, just go to www.liftedgodsthieves.com. Take you straight to the Kickstarter page. And um, like I said, you won't be disappointed. And thank you so much. Um, I appreciate y'all letting me rant and talk about ice cream cars tonight. 
<laughs> um, you know, I'm glad we got to talk about all the diabetes treats that we ate as children. Yeah. I'm glad that we you know we talked about issues in the comic book business. And as always, I'm here. Holler for me whenever y'all need me. And um, and I appreciate y'all. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the perfect note note to go out on. Uh, you know, Leo and, and Tony, any any last last words or plugs? Uh no, just you know, catch me on Twitter as usual. I've been writing news for Screen Rant lately, so you can you can see me pumping up with the day's entertainment news and just that I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. And look out for an interview with Che Hodari Coker on Fan Bros soon. Yeah, you know, I had a great time tonight. You can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Latin Negro, same thing for Facebook. Um, I also have an author page on Amazon and on Goodreads, so check those out. Just, you know, also type my name, Anthony Otero. And um, I will say that I tweeted out something on the Black Comics Chat uh, Twitter account, named the album. Uh, Leo took a nice photo uh, of Homeboy (laughs) Cheo. I personally think that they recorded a, an album together. I think they had a little, uh, yeah. little parades that they were doing, maybe possibly some poetry over beats, but we don't know yet. So name that album. Uh, and that's out. I'm out. I think it's, uh, it's LCMD. Leo and Cheo were making oh dollars. Yo, that, yo, that is a total EPMD album cover style. Back to business. <laughs> All right. And Marcus, where can they find you? Um, you know, just uh, at Marcus Kwame on Twitter or uh, MarcusKwame.com, and you can find all my socials and artwork there. And uh, yeah, man, thank you, everyone. Uh, very big shout out to the audience, man. We had, uh, you know, so, some of our, our our usual favorites in the audience, and we had some some faces that I don't always see. So it's just thank you to everyone who tuned in. Uh, you know, I think Sean always brings all the people out. So yeah, we had some racists in the mentions too. We did, and that's how you that's how yeah. you know it's popping when, when the racists show it. up. Yeah. I love it. I you know it. that we're trending when the racists jump yeah. on. I know we're, we're on Fox Twitter. We're good. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh man, Glenn Glenn Beck's gonna be on tomorrow. Let me tell you about the Black Comics chat. <laughs> yeah, no. When we make a feature on Alex Jones or some shit, like yeah, that's you know. Oh, we we big time. We yeah, big time. That's what that means. Yeah. That's yeah. what that means. I gotta d- dust off my my sweater vest to uh to debate Hannity. <laughs> oh, <yes>. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right, all right. I, all I need right, to stop. Out, I need to stop. All right, y'all. It's been real, yo. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everyone. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, y'all have a good night. Peace, everybody. Good night. Peace and love. Later. Black comics chat.